This episode of Tapping In is brought to you by Contenders Clothing. Make sure to check out the brand new restock of all the Godfather apparel, Contenders Clothing, at Contenders Clothing on Instagram. Use promo code TAPPINGIN20 and save 20% on your entire purchase. All right, this week we have no Roy, so I had to fill this spot and use a guest host, and we have none other than your mom's favorite grappler, the most exciting guy in jiu-jitsu, in grappling, my friend, my favorite grappler, Gary Tonin. Sit back, enjoy the show, and hopefully get a few laughs out of this. I'm absolutely sure you will. This is Tapping In, episode Gary Tonin. All right, we're going. Um, so, you know... Let's close this door real yeah, quick. Yeah, we definitely need that because we're going to hear them in the background. They're in the sound, background. Sound equipment is way too good for that shit. It's quality, dude. Yeah. not like I'm like really good at like producing really good quality half-assed shit. <laughs> like like my half-ass is way better than anyone's like half-ass. Yeah. Probably yeah. as good as some people's like full-ass, but yeah. you know, we'll figure it out. Um, So I, I, I lost my co-host this week. Okay. Uh, he mistimed the Vegas trip. And he's in Vegas now, so we have. Is a that new... a is that a real thing, by the way, or is that or you just make that as a joke? I'm like... just making fun of him because okay, he's, good, he's good, 58 good. years I... old and doesn't know what he's doing with himself. I love, it, but I I love it as a joke. But if it had if it was real, that would be even better. Like I, wish I would it just was. love. I love. The, Could you imagine the idea that he literally planned a trip like a week later and was yeah. just like, all right, well. I'm not going to not go. Not going to not go. Or like he's like, like right now he's walking up the stairs at the Thomas Macaroon and he goes, yeah, yeah. I don't see shit here for Gordon. Where are all the Gordon King Ryan signs? It's like, so we have a new co-host today, our co-host and guest, Gary, Gary Tonin. Yeah. I always thought your nickname should have been Gary Mellow Tonin. Yeah, yeah. Because then it's like, because like you're like a cool person, but then yeah. like you're like putting motherfuckers to sleep. I like that one. Um, other good ones that I've heard, uh, Bonin Tonin's a good one. Oh, I think that that's a good one. Yeah, I'm a fan of that. It's fitting. Yeah, the tapir. Are you familiar with the tapir? No. You don't know the tapir. All right, so anybody that's listening to the podcast, I don't know if I want to ruin it for everybody or just make everybody look it up. So there's something very interesting about the tapir. It's an animal. Um, probably the mo- most unique part about that animal. And uh, let's just say I share something in common with them. I think I already know where and, we're going uh, with that. And yeah, we'll just, we'll just do that. So that's another another good nickname. I like that one. The oh, tapir. and then uh, what's the what's the other one that like Murdad and those guys? Oh, Girthy, Girthy Gareth. That's yeah. a good one. Yeah, that's another good one. You know, and you know, you can draw your own conclusions. I feel like, <laughs> I, and here's the thing about like, there's like certain words that could sound really good oh, as names. And the, oh, and the zebra, right? This, I didn't From, want to bring up the zebra. <laughs> you, probably, I didn't want to bring that up. But yes, the zebra is one. That's actually my personal favorite yeah. one of yours. <laughs> like I think I actually have you saved on my phone as like zebra. So Amazing. that way if anyone stole my phone, like they'll never find yeah. you. Or two-toned. Two-toned. Same goes with that's, the same that thing. That one as, goes uh, really well because yeah, that's two-tone tonin. Two-tone tonin, you know, yeah. People are like so like, they're like, what the fuck are they yeah. talking about right yeah. now? I love it. Let's just um, keep it that way. I curse on this podcast too because Tom doesn't listen to it. So I'm yeah. not going to get in trouble. Oh, great. You know, I don't care. Okay. Like, so we had Tom as a guest on the podcast. Okay. This is a true story. Here's how it happened. Mm-hmm. So we're all at dinner after East Coast Trials and everyone keeps talking about my Tom impression. Like, uh, like at a certain point, like I don't even make words. I just make sense. Uh, 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 go to fucking turtle. The fuck? uh, uh. So they're all making fun of like this impression at dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jaden starts cracking up and Tom's like, is that how I sound to you? 
Is that really how I sound? And she's like, that's exactly how you sound. So he looks at me, he goes, I'm going to, I'm going to do your, your fucking little podcast. I'm going to do your podcast. I was like, okay, when? He's like, Monday. I'm like, sure, I'll move things around. Let's make it happen. So he came in, he caught a I class. Love that, I love that the reason he was on the podcast was out of pure spite. Yeah. Like, it's, like, like, it's not like, oh, hey, buddy, I know you're doing a podcast. We're going to help, we're gonna help yeah. you out. It's just like, what? You've been doing fucking impressions of me? Yeah. Uh, he's like, I'm coming on. Everybody needs to know what I really sound like. Yeah. The best part was too, like <laughs> we're doing the sound check and I'm like, Tom, can you sit a little bit closer? I can't hear you. And he's like, I hear myself just fine. I'm like, all right, fuck the audience. Let's get this. That's <laughs> just like him he's too. Like, I hear myself. We're fine. It's good enough for me. Good enough. It's going to be good. Have to be good enough for everybody else. But you know, I'm sure he'll love to hear this. He is the most listened to episode that we have so far. Nice. Uh, it's him. And then episode one. So, you know, we'll see what uh, the Gary Tonnen episode does. I'm sure it's gonna Yeehaw. fucking skyrocket. I will. I want to say this too before we get into the yeah. show. So, uh, you know, I, I have very cool friends. You being one of them, Gordon and uh, Tommy D. So I always see a pop in my follows on Instagram when you guys like post me or do anything like that. So with Gordon, he just posted something after ADCC, and I got like 200 extra follows. But here's one thing that I do notice. When you share me, a lot more chicks start following. <laughs> a lot more chicks. So here's what people have to understand. I, I talked about a little bit about this on the Hanata Laranja podcast uh, the one time that, uh, that I did one with him, which was a great time. Uh, super great dude. <clears throat> so if you get an opportunity to listen to that one, it's good. Um, or anything that he does. He's a great, he's a great dude. He's a really funny dude. Um, but... There's a reason for that, Miguel. All right, and Is it, from it has all the to do. Names we mentioned, and it has well, it definitely has to do with the nicknames, <laughs> but it also has to do with strategy. Okay, so I have systems the same way that we have systems in jujitsu uh, for social media game, and uh, I th- I think they're really important. I think it's it's good for people to know. I don't mind if other people use them. It doesn't make a difference to me. You know what I mean? The more the merrier. Do your thing. And I want you guys all to succeed, you know, in the same way that I am trying to succeed. So, um, first of all, they don't get follow backs from me, by the way. That's, that's as soon okay. as I see like, a, I'm like, that's, you know, that's flattering, but we're going to stay out but of trouble. Under, understood. <laughs> Obviously, you know, you're at a different stage of life, you know, no problem. Uh, but other people that are listening, maybe, you know, might be in a different place. So I'll share the information for them. This isn't for you, Miguel, of course. Of course It's just for your listeners. Yes. Um, <laughs> Steph's going to be like, I think I need to talk to Gary now. (laughs) Like, relax, mama. So, okay. First of all, easy stuff, right? Okay. Simple, you know, all right, a chick like likes your stuff or follows or whatever the case may be. You do a follow back. You like their stuff, whatever. That's all simple. Everybody knows that shit. Okay. But here's what you got to, here's what you guys got to do. Okay. And again, talking to your listeners, not you. Uh, You have to figure out, hey, what? And this, this has to do with business too. So it's applying business strategy to pick up, okay? So when you're in business, you figure out like, hey, like what's your niche, right? Like um, for example, you know, you run a jiu-jitsu school, I run a jiu-jitsu school, you know? So our, we have, there are certain subcategories of people that are interested in that. That's our ocean, right? Like okay. our ocean is um, people that might be uh, looking to get in better shape, you know, people that are maybe already athletes, you know, perhaps like, you know, a wrestler mm-hmm. that, you know, somebody who's already grappled. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you know, maybe 
people that are looking to learn how to do self-defense, whatever the case. So these are all categories, right? Various categories of people that it might make sense for us to market to because they're already maybe teetering on coming through the door, right? I know exactly where you're going. Now, there's another business strategy, which you could try to market to the people who aren't, you know, are not in your ocean, you know, but that's a different story. Okay. So we'll stick with this idea of trying to market to the people that are in your subcategories, right? So same sort of thing with pickup and women, right? So you go on Braulio Estima's post of him flexing shirtless and you see a bunch of chicks liking his shirtless photo or commenting on his shirtless photo hearts or whatever the case may be. Thirst trapping them. And yeah, exactly. Or maybe he's not even, maybe it's just a post-competition photo. You know, he's got okay. his gi, he's ripped it open. He's Regardless, they whatever. got their straws out. Yeah, he's, he's, he's out flexing whatever the case may be. Now, he's a jiu-jitsu guy. You're a jiu-jitsu guy. I'm a jiu-jitsu guy, whatever the case may be. <clears throat> Clearly, these women might just so be interested in jiu-jitsu guys, <laughs> right? They might just like, so you go down that thread, you find every single person that liked his thing. You like some of their photos or you follow them or whatever the case may be. And then maybe they go to your page and they see your shirtless photo or your whatever. And then they might, now it doesn't always work, but that person is in your pool. They're in your ocean. Now you could take that even further, perhaps like you might even do that with another athlete. You might even do that with like a wrestler, for example, you know, you see some, you know, NCAA wrestler or something like that. Similar thing. You know, a bunch of chicks posting like little hearts on like one of his posts or whatever the case may be. And same thing. You like, follow, whatever the case may be. And these are people that, you know, so when you're just going after somebody random, so like this is, this is the tough part with some, with some people. They're like, oh, they see like an Instagram model chick and then they start trying to hit her up in, in their DMs or whatever the case. And maybe it works, you know, right. maybe, maybe they're interested in you. Maybe they're not, whatever the case may be. But the percentage chance that it's going to work is way less when you don't know whether or not that person's in your ocean. If you know they're in your ocean, hey man, you just upped your chances. Like they're already interested in that style, that type of person, right? That that that, that person is that's somewhat like you. You know what I mean? That that's in your ocean, right? So um that's how I built that following, and that's how you are now getting followed and liked by, you know, some of the women that have followed me. Yeah. It, 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 so you're bringing math into it. You're bringing that yeah. GCF greatest common factor. Absolutely. And I will say this, uh, that method absolutely works. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you this quick story. Uh, we're like waving goodbye to everyone. Like they're like training like animals. Keep in mind, Gary was scheduled to do a two hour seminar and we're going to talk more about this. You went for three hours, uh, taking questions and answers. Like I had to stop everyone. I was like, guys, like stop fucking asking him questions. If he didn't stop me for sure, we would have Well, kept I get very protective. Like I understand like, you know, mm-hmm. like another school owner would probably be like, oh yeah, keep going. But I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, like leave my fucking friend alone. Like he's done. Yeah. He's done enough for you guys. But, um, back in the MySpace days, yes, I would do yes. something similar. Uh-huh. I would go looking to see like, what can I find? And I remember, uh, you know, there may have been a young lady, uh, who was actually older. I was uh-huh. with older chicks. Yeah. Uh, cause they could drive and they had money and I was hell, you know, hell yeah. chasing the dream. Yeah. But she had a picture with her pugs. So I was like, we're in, we're in. Cause I had a pug of my own. Boom. So right away message. I'm like, Oh my God. Cutest little pug I've ever seen. Mm-hmm insert picture of me with my little pup yes donzo then we you know we took him to for a walk and then mm-hmm. you know uh steph's gonna be like you dirty motherfucker she listens yeah. to these every now and then so and that's kind of like 
so but that's a smart play absolutely it's a smart play it's like what's my in right mm-hmm. now what do we share right now that i could magnify and really Hell uh, yeah. you know and in another interesting thing kind of piggybacking off of that that you can do and this is more like tinder game than it is social media game you i can totally do, miss you can do, tinder by the you way you can do it with social media too yeah of course <laughs> the dude like literally uh, like yeah. my friend was showing me tinder yeah. at my bachelor party i'm like yeah. what is this yeah, yeah, yeah i would have never gotten married incredible my uh i remember when my sister first told me about it when i was like i think i just left college or something and uh she's telling me about this you know this app or whatever that people just use to hook up i'm like i'm like what like this is what's been advertised to me on porn sites for like Years. For decades, like, oh, you know, meet with young, hot singles in your local area. And, you know, it's always like a total, it's always like a total bullshit it's scam. All bullshit. But my, my sister's telling me about this app where people are willingly just like hooking up with random people. I'm just like, I'm like, no way. I'm like, this is real. And for a while, they only had it on iPhone and I refused to get an iPhone. But I almost, that would have been the only reason if they had kept Tinder off of Android for long enough, I think I would have eventually you would have had to just that would have been the only thing motivating enough but i mean that's that's the biggest motivator for everything is it not <clears throat> exactly is it not exactly like so, guys don't become successful because they want to be a big success no they become successful because they want to make money because they know if they get money they can get laid <laughs> like it's plain and simple makes the world go around I, that's why i love that meme it's like you know it's like hot chicks posting on a boat the guys yeah, yeah. that own the boat and it's like yeah it's true yeah it's exactly what it 100%. is percent um so talking about what you were talking about with the uh, with the game with the pugs, so when you can kind of like fake that game a little bit too with like the tinder, I mean you know social media is all fake. Anyway, I was gonna say so like kidnap like, a dog. Literally, no. <laughs> like I need no, your but, dog for two seconds. No, well, sort of. So like that's what I did. So uh, on my Tinder, I think the photo was uh, it was me with a little bird uh, that my um, that my cousin had. Uh, I had the bird perched on a guitar or a ukulele or something like that. I was playing. You're doing damage with that picture. I had like my little, I had like a little bit of long hair. Like I'm in like some nice clothes because it was like a family event or whatever the case may be. You got like a Hollister, Seagull, like the polo. (laughs) So exactly. So having, so the reason I mention this is not just because it's like a cool photo or like whatever the case may be, but how you can insert yourself in these other oceans per se. Right. So now I do happen to play guitar, but they don't know that. Like, Maybe I don't, you yeah. know what I mean? Like you, you don't even have to, I just have the guitar in the photo, Yeah. right? Guitar is there. Boom. The, the bird, not my bird, but it's a pet. It looks cute as fuck yep. perched on the top of a guitar that I'm literally playing. I mean, so now I'm in this subgenre of people that are, that are into like cute animals, people that are into musicians. You know, I have photos of me with long hair. I had photos with me with short hair. So like the more of these little areas that you can capture, you know, the better. So, oh, and at one point in time I had a, so Gordon had purchased way back in the day, uh, a shitty, like broken down Jeep, but there's a whole subculture for those of you that don't know out there, there's a whole subculture of chicks that just go after dudes with Jeeps. Yeah, it's actually it's a, pretty wild. It's a fucking huge thing. Like, yeah. I had no idea. Gordon had to explain that to me. He's like, dude, you don't have no idea. He's like, chicks see that a that a Jeep is in like one of your photos and like there's, right there's away. thousands of chicks it's that wild. like wouldn't have talked to you otherwise, but because they see the Jeep in the photo, like they're in. So I had like Gordon's shitty broken down Jeep that didn't <clears> even work that was sitting in my garage in one of the photos for a, a long time because was that's that another genre. He had a black one for a while. I remember if it was that one. There was black. It was had all different kinds of fucking colors yeah. on it because it was he like went through Jeeps for a while. Shit, yeah. 
but yeah the jeep culture is its own thing and then yeah, yeah. like there's chicks that love these jeeps it's wild it's yeah i like to watch observe jeep from, wrangler by the way specifically yeah the like, wrangler yeah, not yeah. like don't i'm assuming people know what we're talking yeah, about don't pull up in like a Cherokee. you're like what the fuck <laughs> some, i don't get it how come they're not into it <laughs> some dude's gonna spend like a hundred grand on a wagon and be like gary Tarner fucking lied to me no chicks dude, wants this the wagoneer does look wagon, i mean sick, you're gonna though, get a different lie. type of chick with those wagoneers it's an apartment on wheels dude Dude, I remember when I first bought the fucking Range Range Rover. Those the only the like the nice the so o- only nice car I ever uh, ever purchased for myself. Uh, the next one I want to get like it's not even that nice of a car, but it's just what I've always wanted. I want to get an El Camino. Um, that's I can, so you I still own it. I still own a Wrangler that's just sitting in Puerto Rico right now. By the way, I just haven't gotten it back. <laughs> like it's just sitting in somebody's garage. But uh, so I get this. I get this. Uh, you know the uh, sorry the fucking what am I saying El Camino uh, no no Jeeps the, no the um, the Range Rover oh. sorry so I get this Range Rover and you know prior to that I forget exactly how old I was but let's say I was like 28 27 something like that and uh, when I get the car obviously if you're buying that something like that uh, the intention is for it to be a little bit sexy you know be. what I mean? Like that's kind of part of the reason you're buying the fucking car. Like if you didn't want something like that, that was a little sexy and appealing to chicks, why would you spend the extra money? Right. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a weight. Like I, you could get a nice Jeep, for example, with almost all the same features without, with way less cost. Right. right? So I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh man, you know, I, this entire time I've been doing this whole game with a fucking uh, Toyota Corolla or a fucking little Hyundai Accent, right? I'm like, I'm going to murder now. I've got the fucking, you know, I, you got the I, range. I got the range. You got a refrigerator yeah. inside your fucking car. Dude, the first girl I had over gets drunk and starts making fun of me for the Range Rover. Believe it or not. Why? She starts, she starts going, oh man, why'd you get that mom car? Like, why'd you get that soccer mom car? And I'm just like, excuse me? What? I was like, what did you just say? I was like, we're going outside in the car right now. <laughs> so I walk. So we walk outside. I go, get in the fucking car. Okay. <laughs> she gets in the car. And I start showing her the features of this <laughs> car. Like, I, like I'm a car salesman. Like, because I'm mom so, this? Because I'm so heartbroken that this oh thing that I God. believed I had gotten to impress chicks some the first one that I'm talking to is like not only not impressed, but is literally making fun of me for having the car. I hope you got rid of her. And uh, well, yeah, hundred percent. But <laughs> <laughs> but she it, now, granted, after I go through my fucking car salesman pitch and I start showing her some of the shit that this fucking thing can do, you know, you can like change the. Um, it has an air suspension, so you can like change the elevation mm-hmm. of the car. You have the sunroof. You got like fucking heated seats. You got all these fucking things. All this cool shit. You got, you got a, a refrigerator. refrigerator in the fucking console. So I start showing her this shit. She's like, "Oh, it is cool." I was like, "Yeah, now get out. Never getting in again. Never getting in." Again. <laughs> it, it, dude, it's fucking wild with the cars because. So, I bought the truck like last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, no one really knows this, but I'll, I'll share it. So I got. Uh, Tundra TRD Pro so mm-hmm. it's like top of the line leather interior it's got fucking everything and it's army green mm-hmm. alright now the truck really changed my personality mm. like you know I went super conservative I put a fucking MAGA <laughs> like a MAGA flag outside I grew my beard I got I long it. hair now yeah. I wear like a hunting hat like it's fucking bad hell yeah but I and I told this to Steph I was like you know what's funny I was like I'll get compliments on this truck all the time mostly from women 
Mm. So I was like, love your truck. I'm like, thanks. They're like, love the color. I'm like, didn't serve because they think I'm like military. I'm like, I didn't serve. I just yeah, got a fucking yeah. army green truck. I oh, like yeah. the color. But, you know, that army green truck with a pumpkin spice, it's a fucking wrap, dude. <laughs> it's fucking dangerous. <laughs> so, but yeah, it, it's a, it's amazing what triggers these women. But um, we'll do we'll do a whole podcast. That's what we should do. We should do a podcast on like picking up chicks <laughs> from like your side of the person, like me, like an, as an outside observer. Yeah. I'm like, here's what I'm seeing. The best part is, is it, it, like I am operating on a level and was always operating uh, or at least like, you know, later on in my career, you know, using like social media tricks and Tinder and all these sorts of things. But like, you know, it's speaking, speaking of all these things, like what Miguel is just a slight earlier generation than myself didn't have any of these tools. And, you know, I, w- I always wonder to myself, like, would have I actually gotten the game necessary to do this, do what I was capable of doing with all of these things like social media uh, in that environment, because it's a totally different thing. Like the skills that you need to have to be able to, to go to a bar or go to a local restaurant or wherever it is and start a conversation, pick up a woman, whatever the case may be, they're literally not even necessary in today's environment. Like you can get, especially a person like me who has a social media personality. I don't need to literally need, don't need to, ever speak to a woman in public ever i don't ever. have to it's by the time they come over it's yeah, locked you could, up I, it's could, I could and it's happened before for sure but i'm just saying like it doesn't need to happen so it's just interesting the way that the game has changed over the years and of course like you can st- you may still have that game and it may still be very successful for you but i'm just saying like i wonder like what have i what have i been able to hang i don't know you know what I mean? Like, so you're the things that you had to do were very different than the things that it I was had wild, to do. man. So one of the things that we had to do, and uh, this was always my favorite, is mm-hmm. you know we would go to wherever we were going, and the first thing it's like, hey, let's run a quick lap. So you know we would separate, do a lap, plant a few seeds, you yeah. know, quick little hello, hey, my this is terrible. I can't believe I'm sharing this right now. <laughs> my go to because every guy's always like, oh, you know, you're so hot, blah blah. It's just like some dumb shit. <laughs> Women uh, who are younger going out, they're really into like a couple things. So I would always compliment a woman on two things and it worked two ways. I would compliment them on either their shoes or their nails. So number one, it would drop their guard because now they wouldn't know if I was gay. They'd be like, huh? So now they're like a little like, well, he might be gay and that's perfect. Cause I just need that gate just open a little bit and I'm fucking sneaking in. And then by the time they realize I'm not it's too late, we, we've you've been, <laughs> the damage is done. But uh, you're already in the dressing room. Yeah, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. You know, and never commit to anything before one thirty in the morning. You know, you want everything to kind of, you know, because, you know, because you might plant something at 11. Yeah. And then at one thirty five, now she's like, hey, where have you been all night? And it's like, oh, waiting for you. Where have you been? But if you leave with the chick you met at midnight, you might have blown that. You got to wait. So, you know, it led to some interesting situations yeah. at times where, you know. There'd be like two or three, and now you're like, "Oh, how am I gonna juggle this?" Yeah, and you do. Um, but yeah, it was a different time. Yeah. Different time we had to interact. It's, it's funny how many different elements there are to like the in-person aspects of the game because I like the social media stuff. It's really, I think it's a lot more simpler, and like it, there's so much. It's so much lower risk, in my opinion, unless you're like the kind of person that takes everything to heart, which I do have some friends who you like can just throw hail marys all day. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's so easy. 
right? Um, but like the in-person game, like you could continue to throw Hail Marys, right? But like, you know what I mean? I, mean, I feel like the rejection is just a little bit more fierce and like you're, you're going to get some, there's some things that like, you know, for example, you might say on social media, they could get you like slapped in the face. Or, or like, arrested. You know I mean? arrested. Now you're on fucking all Reddit. The, They're talking about like, did you see this? Things. So, so I remember we go out one night and I've never been the best opener per se. You know, once I'm in a group of people and everybody's kind of talking and like everybody's kind of comfortable with each other. So if I went to a house party, for example, I work great in an environment like that. I have no problem like, you know, joking around and kind of inserting myself socially. You know, I can, I can play that game very well. But the cold call. But the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The cold call environment, like the bar or whatever. It's just never really my thing. I, it feels so non-genuine to me and I have so, I would have such a difficulty like putting myself in a plate. I just feel like a liar. Like I just like it's, I just felt like, Hey man, like everything about this moment, this person has to know that the only reason I'm speaking to them is because I'm sexually interested in them. Mm -hmm. So all the words that come out of my mouth right now have to be perceived as bullshit. Like I'm putting myself in their shoes, which I shouldn't even be doing, but I'm like, I'm, I can't convince myself that this isn't horse shit that I'm about to say. And because I believe it's horse shit, it's, it comes out all wrong and it's just awkward. And because you're an authentic person. That's how I feel. Yeah. I always thrive (laughs) in that environment. And with, well, here's why, because it was, for me, it was always like, let's see, can I, can I pull this off tonight? Sure, Sure. So for me, what I would always do, because you know, I, I come from the generation of face to face, yeah. You know, we had obstacles. You would have to get past the, the best friend or the gay best friend. <laughs> that was a tricky one. The gay best friend was a fucking doozy. Yeah, yeah. Because he would cock block like the regular chick friends would. Yeah. But he thought like a man. Yeah, so he so could he see everything yeah, I was yeah, doing. Yeah. It's like, oh, you motherfucker. Yeah. But there's ways around that too. You just sure, have to sure. really you just have to have a, a good looking friend who's willing to like <laughs> sacrifice the night. It's like, dude, I need you to yeah. just, you I've, al- I've always been the guy that not, not for the gay friend, but the, <laughs> I've always been the guy that was just like, if we were in a group and like somebody needed, was trying to talk to the hot girl and she had like an uglier friend or oh. a, f- a fatter friend or whatever the case may be. Jumping on that I, grenade. A hundred percent. All day. Because, because to me, the, the, uh, the risk didn't feel as great, even though the truth is, is like, it's all the same shit. Like it doesn't fucking matter. Like whether somebody's hot or whether somebody's ugly, the rejection, it should be the fucking same. Like who gives a shit for some reason, your brain tricks you into thinking that it's a different thing. So like when I need to go jump on the grenade for one of my buddies, number one, it makes me feel good because I feel like I'm doing a service for one of my friends. Yeah. Uh, number two, amazing story is going to happen out of this. Guaranteed. I always pick the story. And exactly. And, and number three, like I said, it just feels less like, it's like, who gives a shit? Like I can literally say and do anything because this, it's so meaningless to me. It's like, well, I'm, I don't really strongly desire this person that much. So if I do re- get rejected, it's like, who cares? Yeah. You know what I mean? Which when you, when you think about it that way, it's almost like, dude, if you're an idiot, just put yourself in the same mentality when you go do the other thing and talk to the hot chick. Like there's no reason not to do that. I think several years ago I told you the, uh, my theory about sexual karma. Mm. Have I shared this with you before? Let's talk about it anyway. Yeah. Yes, I believe so. So uh, when, when I was still a single man and I was talking to Gary back in the old Brunswick days, one of the things that I told Gary, I was like, you you know, it's, it's sexual karma. And what I mean by that is, you know, I'm, I'm, Every now and then you're going to have to take a four or a five. All right. I'll be, I'll go, I'll go down to three too. Sure. You know, we'll, you do what you got to do. Yeah. But the reason is like, all right, 
she's a three or a four for me. Because I feel like somewhere Gordon's like, Jesus, fuck, a three. What the fuck are you doing? Um, <laughs> but for her, I might be an eight or a nine. So yeah. we're making those deposits so that one day I might be a six for a girl and she's a nine. But she's going to be willing to return that karmic action. <laughs> like you got you can't just be pulling dimes all day long. Yeah. You know, you got to you got to make some sacrifices every now and then. I've never really been a big fan of the idea of karma, but this this one I I can jive with. I like this. You know, Uh, the reason I've always I I never really liked the idea of karma is not like the concept itself. I I think is fine. But I've found that a lot of people that are like upset, quote unquote, karma, by the way, the that are obsessed with this idea of karma. I feel as though. A, a lot of them, they're like very spiteful people. Mm. Like they use the concept of karma is like, oh, anybody that's ever done anything negative to me, like anything that's ever rubbed me the wrong way, like God is going to get them back. Like yeah. the universe is going to crush all of my enemies yeah. for me. And they're waiting for because, that moment. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, exactly. And exactly. They're like waiting for the downfall of all these people in their lives. And I'm just like that seems like some really negative energy to be a part of. Like, yeah. do you really want to be, do you really want to like, be like, oh, it, thinking in terms of like, oh man, you know, keeping a tally like, oh yeah, this person wronged me, this person wronged me, this person wronged me and they're, they're going to get theirs. It's like, dude, just focus on like your own life and like yeah. getting better and doing like, it's like, hey man, you got wronged by that person. Let's form a better relationship with a better person and fucking move. Like, I don't want to be just waiting for everybody's downfall. It just feels very like draining to be in that energy. It it is because it's also not healthy because you're not moving on from it. You're just like, like I've had people that have like fucked me over and then like years later I'll find out something bad happened and I genuinely still feel bad for the person. I'm like, damn, that sucks. Yeah. Like, oh, but they fucking did this. Like, yeah, but you know what? We move on. We live and move on. There's a, there's a short list of people that I believe are truly like evil, bad people. And I don't, it's it's not because they did something to me. It's because I feel as though they're, they have a genuine negative influence on like literally everyone they ever met. And those people, I would get excited for bad things to happen to them. Um, not, not out of spite though, just because it's just more along the lines of like, like, damn dude, like something has to happen to derail this fucking person because it's just (laughs) like, it's like shit. They're just going to run rampant forever if it doesn't, you know what I mean? Um, but how many people do you think feel that way about, like us. Oh, I don't know. There's got to be someone. But I but I think that it's important to draw that line though where it's Fix not, your mics. I yeah. think it's like dropping a little bit. I, I think it's important to draw that line though where you don't just think that about anybody <clears throat> that does you wrong. Because you, you, that's a super biased perspective in my opinion. It's like there's going to be a lot of people who you don't agree with who do things that you don't like or whatever the case may be. But like to really look at somebody and say that person is bad for everyone, I think is where you draw that line. Yeah. Like in terms of like, so a lot of people will have like a, you know, we'll, we'll have conversations like just joking around like, oh yeah, well, you know, uh, if you could kill somebody, like who would it be or whatever the case may be, or like, would you, you know, uh, do that to like your such and such person or you view as an enemy or whatever the case may be. And it's like, man, really short list for me. I would only, I only want people to die that I genuinely believe are just truly terrible people for everyone. You know what I mean? I would never I would never say or think that about just like random people that have just like lightly done me wrong. It's just not it's again, like I said, waste of energy sort of thing. Yeah. And, and it, it is like I, I don't know. Maybe it's cuz you're entering your uh your 30s now. You know, you're what, you're 30 or 31 30, now. Just turned 31, man. Just turned September 31. 12th. Holy shit. 
during fucking the last few days uh, before ADCC. Jesus. So, but but it is like you get to a point where you're like, you realize the importance of energy mm. and wasting it on dumb shit. Hell yeah. Like being angry. Like it's like I'm not gonna be mad about that shit. It's yeah. wasteful. I got so much more to look forward to. Like this person's a fucking dick. It ruined our relationship. That's something they have to deal with now. Yeah. You know, you're just gonna put your head down and keep going. For sure. But, all right. So we talked about the dating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I am obviously married and I can't do much and we have very yeah. different social medias. Sure. So there's a lot of things that I see in posts that I can't. I always send it to you. Sure, sure. I'm like, here you go. Yeah. And then Gary be like, Man, guess who I'm hanging out with? I'm like, You motherfucker. Uh- <laughs> I'm like, don't you dare. Don't you dare. Yeah. Um But so just taught a fantastic seminar. Thank you, man. The one thing that you do in your seminars that, uh, and all you guys actually do it too, is you teach these very complex things, but you break it down in, in a way where it's like you, this class for like as advanced as it was, you could have taught this at a basic level. Sure. Because it's it's a lot of co- concepts and conceptual ideas. Mm-hmm. And I even pointed out to you, you taught one thing when someone's trying to pull up your ankles. And I yeah. told you, I was like, the one thing that I love and hate about jujitsu is that someone solves a problem and you realize the solution was so fucking easy the whole time. Like every like when you show that, I like looked at Rex, little sexy Rexy. I was like, I'm fucking done with this sport. I was like 17 years and that's all I had to do. That's it. And then yeah. you're like, of course, that's all you had to do. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was, I was so fucking yeah. angry. Well, and the worst is too is the way we put it. Like when me or Gordon, specifically Gordon for Gordon's sure, the and worst. John, the way that we speak. Um, but like you said, you know, Gordon for sure is worse and, and John will do it too. The way that, that it's, it's said is, is so it's said in such a way, like you just said, where it's like, yeah, idiot. Like yeah. that's the answer. So like, like you didn't, you didn't know that dummy. And, <laughs> and like, I, I don't know if it's cause you were at a seminar and but like, yeah. you've gotten a lot nicer in the way you teach. Cause I've seen you fucking go nuts, but, yeah. uh, you do it in a way where it's just like, almost like, like a parent talking to a kid. Like, it's like, it's normal. We all make that mistake. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. okay. I tried it. Yeah, tried you know, like, it way. was real nice. We were like, hey, it's all right. Listen, most yeah. people do it that way. Yeah. Gordon just, like, <laughs> looks you in the eyes. Like, uh, the last time I trained with him was, like, two years ago. He's like, well, let me let me ask you. His voice is changing, by the way. I'm, like, picking up, like, it's not the same high-pitched. Yeah. Like, he doesn't want to say like anymore. Yeah. So he just, like, he'll pause and then continue with the conversation because... He doesn't want to say like, which is, you know, he's good. He's getting educated. Yeah. But he's like, so let me ask you this. Uh, You can't go through my guard and you can't go around my guard. Why don't you just walk? I'm like, what? And then he like grabs my (laughs) ankle and my hip. He goes, if I prevent you from turning towards me, I can just walk around your guard. And I looked at Haas. I was like, fuck this. I'm done. I was like, (laughs) fucking wasting too much energy. This fucking kid. Like, cause I still see like a 14 year old and now he just beats my ass and I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's fucking wild. Yeah. I can't believe he's become what he's become. I can, but it's wild to see. Yeah. So yeah, let's get into that a little bit. Cause I definitely thought like, you know, the two things that I thought were, were really good to touch on while we're here, because there are two things that you have like uh, insight into one was like Gordon's upbringing and the other one was like some of the ADCC stuff. So I definitely let's, let's get into some of the Gordon upbringing stuff. Cause I think that's, uh, oh man, I think that's going to be good. So Let's, let's, before I get, come onto the scene, let's talk about like your experiences. Now I've heard about some of them, but like, you know, coming from your perspective, like from like day one with Gordon on to like his first year, you know, what was that like? So the thing about it is, and I still get people 
It happens all and how, the time. How old was he when he came in? I, I want to say he was 14. Okay. He was About the same age as me when I started. Yeah, yeah. He showed up in like red sweatpants, uh, Nike flip flops with the socks still on, like oh very jersey. God. I hate that so you much. You know, like by the ankle way. socks too. I make, fun of, I make fun of them so hard. Oh, my feet are cold. But why are you wearing flip flops? Yeah. Like pick one. If you're wearing fucking flip flops, go barefoot, you fucking yeah, weirdo. I know. You know, <laughs> and, you know, and and uh no shirt, because he had abs. He was ripped to shit. Of course. Ripped to shit. Yeah. And uh like a two foot tall mohawk. Yeah. The level of confidence, by the way. Uh oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. You fucking amateur. The level of confidence, by the way, that he exudes now to this day as the best in the world, he he had when he was fourteen. Hundred percent. Like the exact amount. Yeah. If not, if not, maybe even more so. Yeah. Like he was maybe even more confident in his abilities despite having none back then. You know what was the thing too? And so the thing is, is uh, people will constantly ask me and I think it's a fucking horrible question to ask me because I only had Gordon for about 18 months to two years as a child. Yeah. You know, I'll be teaching a kid's class or I'll do a seminar and they're like, Hey, so uh, you see any Gordons coming up? And it's like, no, 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 I don't. Honestly, like, honestly, this is fucked up to say the only person I've seen that even gives me a little hint of maybe potentially possibly having some potential is my three year old daughter because she doesn't fucking know shit. But like, she's very coachable, very confident. And I'm like, hmm, she might have something there at three. My son, I love him to death. But my son, like you heard him screaming today in the bathroom. Yeah. Because he walked in with a Michael Myers mask and scared the shit out of himself. Amazing. <laughs> Literally incredible. Like, he's like, I got to see this. And then he did. He was like, ah. I love it. He's a fucking mayhem, that kid. But um, he was very, very confident, especially because he was coming in as like the Kimbo slice of jujitsu. I met his mom before I met him. Yeah. And I remember having to call Haas like, hey, we got an intro coming in tomorrow. Yeah. This kid. He's and like, that's important to address too, because he, both his parents were contributing factors to this insanity. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, Big Gord was the best. Yeah, Saturday yeah. morning kids class with Big Gord was phenomenal <laughs> because he, especially like in the springtime, because he'd be like bumping Biggie or Tupac and yeah. like the Corvette. Yes. Parked in a handicap spot. Hell yeah. And like macking it to the chicks going into like stop and shop. And every single chick. Every single chick. No matter what they look. He's like, like what's going on, honey? You looking for bananas? I see you got the melons. And I'm like, we're so fucked. Like, I'd be like, Gordon, your dad is going to get this school shut down. Oh, He's amazing. like, fucking big Gord. What are you going to tell what him? What are you going to do? Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> so Gordon's mom comes in and she's like, I want to get my son in jujitsu. You know, he's been getting into some fights. And I'm thinking he's getting into like fights like at school. So right away, I'm like, hmm, I want to impact this child's life and put him on the right path. Then she shares. It's like also little, little do you <clears> know. When this, when uh, Trish comes in and she, oh yeah, my son's been getting into some fights. It's like, yeah, like you do yeah. at the bar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, every Saturday night, fucking yeah. apple meat, starting tree. a brawl with um, the local. I wonder why my son is well, she, getting in fights. She, she told me one time, she, she goes, listen, I always tell Gordon, I'm like, Gordon, don't start a fight. But if they're willing to start one. They mess with the bull. They get the horns right in the fucking sternum. I'm like, Jesus. I've never heard that version of that quote. Uh, yeah. But so she's so now she's telling me how he's getting into like these garage fights. Yes. And yes. the way it started was like he was fucking up these kids his age. Yes. Then he beat the shit out of some kid's older brother. And then I'm pretty sure a dad got involved and he like yeah, choked yeah. out some he kid's did. dad. He did. Like that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. So now this kid's coming in. 
undefeated on the streets of Monroe. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's like the white fourteen year old Kimbo, except instead yeah. of a beard, he's got a mohawk. So when he, so little little uh, earlier uh, of Gordon's like upbringing before he got uh, he, before he came in and started working with Miguel, uh, that some people should know about, like in terms of Gordon winning these like street fights and stuff like that uh, in in his school for money. For yeah, money. yeah, for sure. Um, so prior to that, he had, this is, this is how he got his quote unquote current skills prior to like ever training oh, jujitsu. Yes. Now this guy was actually at ADCC. Uh, do you remember his, his name again? Can't share it. Cause he's oh, in law oh, enforcement Oh yeah, that's now. true. That's true. True. Sorry. <laughs> he's now a cop. So yeah. So better, better that we don't. <laughs> so I won't get too crazy. I'm not going to say anything too, too incriminating, but basically this guy ran like a daycare. Okay. Uh, Nikki and Gordon would go to the daycare and this is, you know, it's almost like when I tell this story, it's like, makes me a little sad. And the reason it makes me sad is not for Nikki and Gordon at all. What makes me sad (laughs) is that like, this would be so difficult to recreate now. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be able to do what this guy did. And like, honestly, like I don't, there really wasn't, it really wasn't that big of a deal, but like now you'd like, not only would you get fired, uh, you'd be like, you'd be on the news criminal and like criminal charges and you get sued and like, it's like, but it's like, dude, this is just like shit that like, like kids should be doing. Like yeah. they should be fucking play fighting with each other. It's like a real part of being a fucking human being. Like yeah. look at any other animal. That's what they fucking do. They play fight, dude. Like, but if for some reason in the context of fucking when like kids are playing with each other, that's like discouraged unless they're literally in like a martial art or something like that. Right. Silly. You, you got to let them experiment with exactly. that. Exactly. Experiment with violence. So, so anyway, it makes me a little depressed to, to, to talk about this, but either way, back then this guy like loved UFC. So like the early UFCs are on, he would watch it. He'd like, I, I think he'd like play some tape of it for the kids and stuff. And then uh, he'd let the kids like try to do like the moves that they saw and stuff yeah. like that. They like play fought with each other, like wrestle around and stuff. They'd have like little competitions or whatever to like see who could get an arm bar. Or, like, he would like set up a, like an octagon type of ring. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so these kids are like being pitted to get pitted together. Like where children are just like fighting each other. Like they, like we're in Thailand, like little kids fucking, you know, doing Thai fights every weekend. And like, that's another example of like how this is, this, this should be done too. It's like, guys, you got kids in Thailand that are like age five, like starting to have like Muay Thai fights and right. shit like that. Throwing head Not kicks. necessarily that I, I'd say like you should start full f- contact fighting at that age or anything. I'm just saying like, this is not that abnormal, but like we want to shelter our children so much like, like that, I, that this behavior would get people fired, etc. But anyway, yeah, they, he ran a fucking underground kids fucking dojo yeah. based off of watching some tapes of UFC. So Gordon's upbringing, well, he learned like how to do like a rear naked choke and a Kimura and arm bar and shit like that. Watching like UFC fights. That was his, that was where he got his skills. That was like start. fighting, fighting in a fucking daycare center. And then, you know, there he is fucking winning street fights and stuff like that. And now it's like, oh, well, now it's time to learn jujitsu. Now it's time, which he, <laughs> he really thought he already knew. Yeah. He's a guy's got to learn like one or two moves. And uh, so, so he starts training and right away I could tell like this kid's a little different because even though, and this is, even though he's like extremely confident, borderline arrogant, something happens when he's training. Like he's very like honed in on every word you're saying. Like he's he's almost like a video game. Like you can teach something and he'll go and do it exactly how you showed, how you showed him. And at that young of an age, it was something that was very, for me, unique to see 
because I was like, oh, this kid can actually probably win a couple matches because he can listen. Most of these kids can't fucking listen for yeah. shit. He was honed in. So he gets his second stripe. And back then what we used to do at Brunswick BJJ is we would uh, gang jump you. We would gang jump you in. And you would get your second stripe and the instructor would beat the shit out of you. So Gordon was a bigger kid. And we're, we're like 15 seconds into this. And I'm treating him nice because he's 14. Sure. And he throws in like a full-fledged arm bar. And it's in. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Because he's long. And I look over at Haas and Haas's eyes like shoot open. And he's like, fucking get out of that. So that was the beginning of the abuse that Gordon just took in. I put my foot right on his neck, pulled my arm. I just beat the shit out of him. Fuck and yeah. we just did that for two years because we all so happy. We all. But that's like we all knew like this kid's going to get really good at some point. Get it in right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the one thing that he did, this is why people are like, oh, are you see any new Gordon? It's like, no, I don't. Because the one thing that Gordon has, in addition to his focus and showing up every day, genetics. physicality, genetics, <clears throat> Gordon never shied away from the tough rounds. Yeah. He would always seek out the toughest round in the room, sure. take his beatings, and then just try to get get back, get back, and get back. And you don't yeah. see that too much right now. Yeah, for sure. It takes a special type of person. You know, to uh, to be willing to do that, and like like you said, you know, some people are cocky and confident, but then the, the moment their fucking ego gets shot down by somebody who's tougher than them, they can't come back. Right. You know, I had a friend like that. You know, that would train, and you know, he'd have a tough round with like me or somebody else, and it's like he needed to he needed to like mentally recover from that for like a week and then come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because he just couldn't he couldn't come to terms with the fact that like, oh man, this you know, I've been training longer than this guy. Uh, and now he's beating me or now he submitted me or like whatever the case may be. And, um, and, uh, now he's, he's tapping me and it, you know, whatever the case may be. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. That's like super, super important to have, to have that in you to be that like, uh, like not give a fuck. Like me, you, like you do give a fuck because you want to get better and you do want to beat that person that's submitting mm -hmm. you. Like that's where like people say you shouldn't have an ego. It's like bullshit. You need an ego. If you didn't have an ego, you wouldn't even be here. You right. know what I mean? Like you don't show up in a martial arts school without an ego because you wouldn't care. Like the average person doesn't give a shit if they get beat up in the street. Like, well, I shouldn't say that. I should say they don't, they don't, they don't need to know that they're, that they can beat everybody up that walks across from them. They don't need that. Like right. they don't need that sense of security. They're just like, okay with the idea that, okay, I'm a human being, whatever I studied computer science and like I go do go to my work or whatever the case may be and you know if somebody jumps me they jump me and you know I'll give them my wallet and then that's, yeah, that's, that's that you know that's the average person but you need like a little bit of like fuck no I'm not gonna like let that shit happen to me in order to want to make progress and like hey to be an elite level you need to have a huge ego you need to not only believe like want to be able to to defend yourself against the average person on the street now you need to now you want to be able to beat everybody in your gym now oh you, you're beating everybody up in your gym for the most part except for maybe your instructor okay you're not comfortable with that now you want to be able to do it versus everybody in the whole world right. and that's it's literally insanity first of all like you have to be a little crazy um but yeah that's what you need if you don't have that like you're never going to get there well, and they, so you do need a fucking ego. You 100%. <laughs> and people think like having an ego is like, oh, I'm going to fuck everybody up. No, man. Like if you come in one night and you come up to like me while I'm training, like one of my students and they're like, you're not catching me in that tonight. It's like, yeah. good. That's your ego. That's yeah. you saying like, fuck, do whatever you want. You're not catching me in that. Yeah. It's like, good. And now my ego is going to say, yes, I fucking will. And it's what you do after that 
that makes the most difference. It's like as you can you can feel that way, but when you do get submitted, if it means you have to take a week off to mentally fucking cope with it, no good. You know, if you can have if you can have your ego bruised or crushed and you can come back and try to do it again over and now over we're, now we're fucking golden like have yeah. as big of an ego as you want yeah and that was the right. one thing with gordon even at a young age is you know if he had a tough round with someone or if he got dominated by someone we're talking like you know early blue belt 14 sure. 15 years sure. old you know he'd wait to get his round th- rounds through and then be like uh miguel you got like one more yeah i'm like Really? You want to do it again? Or, or he'd, like, he'd like go up to like Dom or whoever yeah, was yeah. available with Don Hodges and be like, yeah, let's go. Because he really wanted to get better. And Gordon was the first time someone told me that they wanted to be the best in the world. Yeah. And I fucking believed it. Yeah. Like you could just see there was something yeah. there. Uh, you know, and you know, for a while I got a little nervous because, you know, he was punching fucking trees because yeah. of girlfriends and fucking shit. Retard. And I was like, well, this kid's not going to fucking make it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, that was know. the biggest concern was like. Was like, all right, are the is the is the extra stuff on the outside gonna play too much of a factor and right. get in the way? Like that's what I was worried about mm-hmm. in his development. Cause like when that happened, because he punched a tree because of some chick or something like mm-hmm. that, and he was supposed to compete like that weekend. There was some other shit that happened too. I think like he, he had that seaside fight. Yeah, like, that he claims he had nothing to do with. Right, right. This right. fucking never, story is, never I'll never believe that story. It. He's like, I'm serious. I was just walking down the boardwalk. And these fucking guys were like, oh, you think you're hot shit because you got abs? And I was like, all right, whatever, buddy. And then they jumped over the fucking fence and started <laughs> trying to fight me. I'm like, there's, there's so a much of that here. fucking story missing. missing. Yeah. You did something. Like, sure, sure. And I know Gordon, yeah. just like you do. So you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or he like he might have done very little. Yeah. But I guarantee the little that he did sure, sure. was like sharp. Yeah, Like yeah. he just, he got that guy. Like he did something where like it stabbed his soul. soul yeah. He hit him with like some truth bomb that he wasn't yeah. ready to hear. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, because because he he was so confident in his abilities too that like the idea of like being in that confrontation, it probably just excites him. Yes. So the fact that it was brought to his doorstep, he's like, oh, well, I'm just going to say whatever it takes to escalate this to the full yeah. fist fight because... I know I'm going to crush you there because yeah. he was never really a, a crazy, you know, I mean, people know him as like a shit talker now, like on social media, but really it was like a pretty quiet kid. Yeah. Like despite being super cocky and confident, like if you had asked him questions about his abilities and stuff like that, he really wasn't that vocal about it per se. Like no. he, he really, he wouldn't come in and be, you know, talking a lot of shit or anything. He's pretty fucking quiet to the point where we actually have this guy, uh, Amici, training with us who thought he was like mentally handicapped because of how little he talked he thought thought him and his brother were like mentally handicapped on some level he goes to me one one day i was talking about gordon or maybe about nikki or both or whatever and he goes oh yeah the retarded kid (laughs) and i go i go what and he goes yeah the retarded kid and i was like uh greg like uh i don't know how to how to tell you this but uh he's not retarded like he's yeah. he's a nor like a he's, he's a normal completely kid. fine he's just really quiet like <laughs> i couldn't believe it. you know like it was just so funny like because he it was genuine like he wasn't like making fun of him he wasn't making a joke whatever no. like it was totally genuine and amici's older so his generation like you know the word retarded was that's what yeah, they used yeah, yeah, of course you know yeah. and this was a long time ago too so let's not get him in trouble but yeah i don't think he fucking cares anyway to be honest no amici's a wild man but you know he uh he just had so many things that when people are like, Hey, you think that kid can be the yeah. next Gordon? I'm like, not really. Like, and you, you know, it's funny. You were, you were talking to like about 
how you like the, the things you had to do and had to put Gordon through. And like the same sort of thing for me when I kind of like started taking over, like once you left and I took over the gym, um, there was a sense because of the skills that he had and the level of cockiness that he had and all these sorts of things where you had to be harder on him. Yes. You, you just had to be, you couldn't, you couldn't have the same, like what you were talking about with like how I was treating people at the seminar today where I'm like, Oh yeah, don't worry, man. You know, like everybody has that problem and blah, 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 you know, these sorts of things. You couldn't talk to Gordon that way. No, because it, he needed, he needed to be pushed in every way, physically, mentally, etc. or there, or his, his fucking ego, his confidence, all these sorts of things would have been out of control and he wouldn't have progressed. I don't think he needed like, like just constant, like criticism and like almost like put downs or, or like you, you guys don't understand. Like he felt so good about himself and his abilities. People would criticize me initially because like I said, he was quiet. Like, so when he was first on social media, like as a purple belt and things like that, they'd be, you know, I'd always talk shit, make fun of him, like all these sorts of things. And people would think like I'm bullying him. And I'm like, you guys don't get it. You're not interacting with this kid on mm-hmm. a day-to-day basis. He, he like, if he wasn't getting the criticism from some, like from me, from somewhere, like he's going to get it from fucking nowhere because his parents both tell him that he's a God. Yes. He thinks he's a fucking God. Like you had to put him down. Like he needed it from somewhere. You know, you know? It's, it's funny because when people are like, man, like, what do you think you did to help Gordon? I'm like, not much. If I did anything <laughs> to fucking help Gordon, it's recognizing early on that he had like he was going to be good. Yeah. And the problem is with most martial arts academies or sports or anything. Sure. You know, the superstars get treated like superstars. Sure. And, sure, sure. It, like, you know, you look at fucking pro football yeah. for every dude that's like a pro bowler. There's a hundred guys that were just as talented that never got it together because yeah. everyone treated them like a fucking superstar yeah. from 15 years old. Yeah, that With, happened when I was wrestling, and I, it was like a big reason why I left wrestling because they just let like these fucking jerk off kids that were like kind of talented run the whole room. Yeah, there was no criticism. No one's keeping them Nobody accountable. Fucking kept them in check. Yeah, it was a disaster. Gordon got held accountable, and Hell then yeah. once he started becoming a problem for us, it was like, okay, you're doing well against us. Let's step it up. It's like, then that's when you took over and that took him to another level. And that's when Tom started beating his ass. I think there's that, <laughs> there's that great picture where Tom's got like his toes over his head. Yeah, and he's yeah. just holding them there. But yeah, it took a lot of people to just keep him in place. Because if sure. not, he would have been like a fucking balloon. Sure. He would have just and now, skyrocketed. And now up. having this, and now saying that, one of the things that I think we all did do a good job of is like, so I remember, I'm not going to name names here, but John was telling me about somebody who had, who said like, oh man, you got to like clip their wings or whatever the case may be. Like basically like the, the idea that, uh, the idea that like whoever it is that you're teaching as they're getting better and they're like approaching, like giving you tough roles or whatever the case may be, like you got to like put them in their place. Like, basically like you got to do things that are going to like not allow them to get better like that's that's something that I don't think any of us ever did like anything that we ever did was with the with the intention the express intent of trying to continue his progress Mm -hmm. but the only way to do that was to give him more hardship yeah right like we had to put more obstacles in his way but having said that we gave him all we had like you gave him every every 
every bit that you sound like you were hiding techniques from the kid. Like nope. I wouldn't do the same. I gave him everything I possibly had and him succeeding and giving, starting to give me tough roles and starting to submit me in training and eventually having a competitive career that was far more illustrious than mine was exciting to me. I never like, I never felt like, oh man, like he's doing you know better than me or like he submitted me in training, like fuck this kid, whatever, and try to do anything to like, anything spiteful to try to hold him back or anything like that. Like, yeah, I might've been a cunt to him, but it was, it was all in the spirit of like, let's like, this kid's got an enormous potential, crazy amount of confidence. Like, let's just give him everything that we've got to get him better because like, I mean, the sky's the limit. Yeah. You know, I think the one thing you touched on too, and I think it's something like we definitely do it here. It's something that I try to put in, in the culture of the school. I know you do it. It's something Tom definitely does. There's no secrets. So if I'm having a round and I'm just, beating your ass with something or I'm shutting something down. Something, that was my Jersey accent. I'm Love shutting it. something down. Water. When the round, yeah, have a water. When the round's Thanks over. The coffee. Yeah, coffee, <laughs> a hoagie. Um, when the round's over, first thing that happens is like, man, like you got to get the underhook. We start showing each other yeah. like, here's why you didn't get it. Yeah. Let's go another round. Now try it again. Yeah. We forcefully try to get the other person better yeah, because man. we know that also helps our progress. Yeah. And I've had training partners that are not like that. I'm not, again, I'm not going to like go crazy, you know, trying to like, like, char- like what character are you doing assassinate like, people. But like there's guys that I've, that I've trained with that like had every intention of trying to maintain whatever edge that they had with whatever technique that they were working on or whatever the case may be and had zero intention of trying to share it with you or would begrudgingly share information with you and it's just like dude like that's not what this is we're all trying you that's that's what makes for a really negative training environment by the yeah. way too you got to have people around that where everybody's trying to help each other you know the moments you the moment you notice a guy who's doing some shit like that it's like fucking get him out of there or like fucking tell them what the fucking program is and you better get with it or get the fuck out because uh, it's gonna poison fucking everything everything i find that especially at this school whenever we've had guys like that they just don't make it yeah they find a way out because here's the problem it it's like a ball rolling downhill. You can try to hold it up, but eventually it's going to get its momentum mm-hmm. and it's going to catch up and it's going to beat you one way or another. But if you can help that guy along the way or help that girl along the way, they'll remember that. Yeah. Whereas if you try to hold back, hold back, well, when they the moment comes where they're better than you, yeah. oh, they're going to savor every moment sure. of it and just beat sure. the living shit out of sure. you. They might do it regardless. Like yeah. I remember one, like, like one time training with Gordon. He's like, yeah, so I'm only going for arm bars today. And I was like, mm, this is going to be terrible. And he yeah. just arm barred the shit out of me. Yeah, I was yeah. like, this fucking kid. Yeah. But, um, you know, it, it's it's got to be a team atmosphere. And I think we really saw that at this ADCC specifically. Sure. I remember right after Gordon won, you know, I was like like beyond happy. It was a wild moment. And then I, like, I walked up to you and like, you were so happy and like you could see and then like i see tom and tom's like fucking smiling it's because we you know it's not about the king it's about like that fucking kid who just yeah. kept going at it and we all know the yeah. shit we had to do for our little moments to yeah get him through to that part yeah. to that time sure man and like i i talked about this in a recent post um a while back i think when he fought felipe penna what's what's so crazy is like, man, like I'm around this kid so often and I see him training and I watch him competing and, and all these sorts of things. And like, I have so much, I have the same level of confidence in him now that he's always had in himself. And I don't mean that like we all, you know, thought he was going to be good in these sorts of things, but I mean his actual skills now, you know what I mean? Like he had potential at one point, 
Right. Yeah. But now it's like, man, we've really seen the potential co you know, yeah. he's reached it, you know, whatever it is, and it's gonna continue <laughs> to go farther and, and, next met and level. exceeded. Yeah. Met and exceeded whatever potential we probably imagined that he may have had. So because of that, and because I'm such a believer, you know what I mean, essentially, because I can get to see this shit happen every day. It's like it diminishes the accomplishments a little bit. Like I have to like remind myself in those moments, like when he, like he just dismantles Galvao, like easily like the greatest, you know, ADCC competitor of all time. Of all time. Um, And the same thing with Felipe Pena and like the same way how he, you know, I mean, not only did he dismantle Galvao, but he just jumped into the heaviest weight class, which he wasn't even really a part of, beat everybody in that first, then, then beats the, you know, the greatest of all time in ADCC after doing like of, you know, full two days of matches. Yeah. I mean, man, like this is really remarkable stuff, but as I'm watching it unfold, it just feels like a normal day. Yeah. It really like my, my first instinct emotionally was no reaction at all. Not because I don't care about him and I'm not excited for him, but because it just feels so matter of fact, normal that this is the way that this should happen. But it's so not normal. No. Like it's so like, this is so fucking crazy. You literally have to take a step away from it. And almost like put yourself in like a spectator yeah. standpoint and be like, holy fuck, this isn't you, supposed to happen. I, this I almost way. have to picture it like somebody else did it that I don't know. Like I almost have to be like, okay, like, you know, uh, any, any other athlete that I've, you know, that I'm not close with and, and isn't really on the scene all of a sudden did what Gordon just did. It's like, well, how would I feel? It's like, oh shit. Yeah. And then I, then I start to feel it again and I'm like, oh shit. Yeah. This is exciting. Like, this is a crazy thing that Gordon just did. This is a crazy achievement. It, it, it's weird, man. It's super weird when you have somebody that's that, that's that talented and that, uh, that good at what they do, yeah. uh, to create a feeling like that, that this is just supposed that they do amazing things and you're like, Oh yeah, whatever. Like that's just supposed to happen. Well, I'll, I'll tell you what too. And, uh, and we're going to, we're going to talk about Gordon for two more seconds. And then I want to use this as a pivot to talk yeah, about you. Let's do it. So Steph, my wife <clears throat> has known you guys for 12 years. First mm-hmm. time she met Gordon was actually at his first tournament. So she's not as close to you guys as obviously I am because, sure. like, you know, I, at least I hope you're not talking to my fucking wife behind my back. <laughs> I mean, that might explain why she's happier on some days than others. But uh might explain something else, too, <laughs> that I told you about about my son. But uh, <laughs> so we're walking around. Right. And she's like, oh, my God. She goes, why are there people here that look like Gordon? I'm like, because they copy his look. She's like. That's fucking wild. She's mm-hmm. like, there's literally just pictures of him and Gary everywhere. I'm like, they're famous. <laughs> and like, I can see it in her eyes where she's just like, holy yeah. shit, this is fucking next level. Which, pivot, we're talking about Gordon, how great Gordon is. When I went to the uh, the brackets, and this is something that I always forget, and I, I tell you all the time. <clears throat> like, my favorite grappler to watch, hands down, Gary Tonin. Like, not even because you're my friend and I've known you, but... As a fan, as a practitioner, as a school owner, that's the guy I want to watch. It's bringing it, doesn't give a shit what the weight class is, doesn't give a shit what the moment is. You know what Gary's going to do. And it's going to be fun to fucking watch. And it's exciting. Uh, Gordon's exciting for a different reason. It's like yeah. you're watching someone hitting all these different levels, and that's exciting to watch. You're excited like right now. Let's fucking go. It's fireworks. Yeah. So we're at the bracket reveal, and I don't know if you could hear it or if you can tell but your role in jujitsu right now, you're you're entering that legend status mm. where when they were announcing the names for the bracket, 
the fucking pop when they said Gary Tonin. And everyone was like, Rah. I looked at Steph. She goes, oh, my God, they fucking love him. I was like, mm. Gary's the fucking man. <laughs> it's for me, like sitting back, it's like, holy shit. Like, I like, what the fuck am I doing texting these guys like dumb shit? But you're you're entering that realm where as a whole, the sport fucking loves you. Thank you, man. Um, this is, this is a good place to, uh, to pivot to, to like the, uh, to talking about ADCC and the event and, and the energy and everything like that, that you're kind of talking about. So, yeah, I, I mean, I felt it, you know, when they, when they were yelling for me and stuff, like, it's hard for me to know that they were yelling for me louder than like anybody else, which is like multiple, multiple people told me that. Yes. Like even people that like, aren't super close to me were like, wow, man. Like I was like kind of surprised. Like, Rockstar bro. How crazy, like the crowd went for you. Like, you know, like almost nobody else got the response like that. And, uh, yeah, that was surreal. It was, it was fucking really cool. Um, and, uh, you know, just to kind of talk about that kind of energy, um, and, in kind of the, the way that the sport has changed and like the place we're at, like normally you go to a jujitsu tournament, like even ADCC, you know, and I've been multiple ADCCs now. I mean, what was this like my fifth one? I don't, I can't even count now. So (laughs) was it your fourth? You did 2011. I, I did. So I did China, uh, China, Finland, uh, California was the last one. Uh, I did Sao Paulo and then this one. This is your so fifth. Five. Fuck. Yeah. So, but anyway, so, you know, I've been a part of that. So even ADCC, like, you know, all right, people come up to you, they ask for pictures and that sort of thing, you know, but like, man, this ADCC myself and multiple people, like you couldn't go anywhere yeah. in the arena. It wasn't possible to go anywhere without having people one after another, after another, after another at request photos and like, Hey man, like I'm happy to like take photos, but also like I'm competing that weekend. So like I got a lot of shit to do. Um, and even when I was done, like I wanted to meet with one of my friends in the stands, he got me some donuts or whatever. And like, I, you know, we couldn't sit in the stands cause the stands were packed, which is great. It's fucking awesome that, you know, everybody's there. Um, so then we like try to kind of go outside and like eat him like on, on top of like a desk or something like that, but we can't like, I'm like trying to tell people, oh, you know, you could just kind of line up. Like, I'm not going to take photos now because I'm trying to do a thing with a friend. I'm just having a conversation and eat. I couldn't do it. Like 40 people lined up before you know it. And then it's like, oh, fuck, you know. So then I take the photos with them. I try to run. I had to duck behind a fucking barricade to eat donuts with my buddy. And that's just so, it's it's different. It's not, I'm telling you guys, like for those that aren't involved, hadn't been involved with jujitsu in like the past five years. And like, maybe you're just getting involved now. The sport was not like that for anybody. You know, maybe I'm one of the more popular guys, but like, it wasn't like that for, I don't care if you were the most popular, I don't care if you were Hodger Gracie. You didn't go, it wasn't like that when you went to go, to Gee Worlds. Like, it it just wasn't. It's just not, it wasn't the same type of environment, like in terms of like the amount of spectators and, and the, like the level that people like held people in terms of respect and these sorts of things. It's just different, man, you know? So I think that's definitely different and I could sense that as well because even Tom Tom loves taking pictures yeah. love he loves it yeah you know he says like oh man it's gonna be crazy but he loves it yeah I could see it in his face after 10 minutes he's like I'm getting my anxiety is getting high it started to be uncomfortable man. couldn't take two steps yeah and as weird of an adjustment as that is because you know I've never been stopped for autographs but I've been going to competitions yeah. and training competing for years and I could see the difference. Yeah. You know, because like like you said, I never saw a line around Hodger. I never saw anyone get yeah. crowded like no. that. Now all Maybe of a if sudden. Maybe if they had released something or something like that and they were at a booth, like there would be a line of people. But it was never like as they were just walking around, like getting swarmed like well, that. It's I, just, I remember being at jujitsu tournaments and the yeah. old, and 
it would be like MMA guys would get swarmed. It's like, yeah. oh my God, fucking so-and-so is here. Yeah. Because, but like the jujitsu guys, you were like, yeah. So as weird as it is, it's almost like, you know, Mo and ADCC and Seth did yeah. a very good job of establishing something, which is, yeah. hey, we all train jujitsu, but guess what? These guys are the fucking best. Yes. yes. They're so much better than you. Because yeah, yeah. every guy who trains jujitsu is like, I wonder how I would do against Gary Tonin. Yeah. yeah. No more. That's yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Now you realize like, no, no, no. He's different. Yeah, they, yeah. They've created that. Just because you play, play pickup basketball doesn't mean you're playing in the NBA. Understood. So yeah. now these fans are watching it and these you guys are the stars you're supposed to fucking be. Yeah. You know? And it, it's going to be an adjustment for everyone. Yeah. But I think it's a good adjustment to have yeah. to make. For sure. I think there needs to be adjustments. Like, for example, just in the way that we, like, arrive to the events and stuff like that. It's like, oh, shit. Like, now, I like, when I arrive to an event like that, I got to, like, be carefully planned like the way in which I like walk to walk to wherever I need to walk or whatever the case may be not necessarily just because I don't want to take photos I don't like the same thing like I love to do that when I have the time but like you know sometimes I'm in the middle of doing a thing like I have to perform something like I got to have some obligation or whatever like I got to be somewhere at a time or you know whatever the case may be and if I got to do that like I can't you know, I don't want to have to be like the guy that's like, no to everybody. Like I got to go do, you know, a thing. Yeah. I, I have no problem saying it, but it's just like, but also, also just like safety wise too. You know what I mean? When things start to get to that it's level, you get like weirdos that'll like try to hurt people and you know, stuff like that. You know, I mean, Gordon gets all kinds of death threats. Thankfully for me, like I'm pretty, like you mentioned, kind of loved yeah. in the community. I'm in a little bit different place than Gordon. <laughs> so I don't think anybody's really looking to do me major harm. I'm sure there's a couple people out there. But still, man, you know, I mean, when you're getting swarmed like that, like it, the, the chances are increasing because it's like there's so many different people. It's hard to pay attention to all the threats and, and things like well, that. And, and now you're starting to get, you know, what something Gordon's always talked to, which is, you know, most people that watch jujitsu train jujitsu. We're yeah. starting to see that begin to change. Yeah. Where now people are like, oh, wait a minute, this guy can choke the shit out of anyone from any position. I got to see this. Or, sure. you know, so it's evolving in that aspect, but I could see it. And I, I 100% agree with you. I think it's going to have to be more organized where if you're competing, you're on the bus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going through the tunnel. You're going to your locker room. Yeah, like, this for is, sure. It has to be. Has because to be. they proved their point, which yeah. is we can make this mainstream. Yeah. And it felt fucking mainstream. Yeah. Uh, it was quite the event going back to work on wednesday like a regular nine to five mm. I, I was like jeez i gotta sit with these fucking peasants now <laughs> like did they not know what i just did all weekend yeah. one of one of my uh co-workers was like hey how's your little tournament i was like if you call thirteen thousand people and bruce buffer fucking announcing a little tournament like yeah what amazing things you do in your fucking life <laughs> but it, it yeah as someone well, who's been the funny the sport, part is is that's what it that's not what it used to be though so like no, that person it, saying how was your little tournament is kind of like what it used to be that's what it used to be even yeah. though it was ADCC and it was the most important yes. tournament it was just the competitors the coaches and maybe like 100 people in the stands yeah that's yeah. it nobody knew but this one yeah it's holy shit this was this was a fucking event yeah uh, I'm curious to see what they do with 2024 and the bids yeah uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting, especially with so much momentum <laughs> behind what they're doing here. Yeah. Where it's almost like, man, like, do you really want to fuck with that? Yeah. You know? Agreed. Um, so let's use this as like a, a way to move on to like some of the stuff that happened at ADCC that wasn't necessarily uh, Gordon related. Like, you know, some of the other, uh, some of the other matches and shit. Okay. Um, so uh, what, if there was, if there was a particular match of interest for you, uh, what, you know, which one would it be? 
And it I, can be a Gordon one, I guess. As, you know a, I mean? as a spectator? Well, as a spectator, but also like the big thing I'd love to hear and I think other people would like to hear is like your input as like a referee because, you know, you're certified with ADCC and you referee these matches. I am like, indeed. I think that I, am. <laughs> I think that people would like, whether they realize it or not, they should be interested in your input because... Uh, the rules of ADCC are very confusing. So like some of these matches happen and people are like, oh man, I really felt like that guy should have won or should have won the decision or whatever right. the case may be. And it's like, you know, maybe they're right. Like sometimes it's everybody fucks up sometimes. But I think a lot of the times in ADCC, usually the criticism isn't correct. Usually it's your their lack of understanding of the rules. Right. Uh, that leads them to feel that way about particular matches. Yeah, I mean, perfect example with that is uh, I, I, got a, I got a lot of love. Uh-huh. I also got a lot of hate. Uh-huh. For the Andrew Tackett Damien Anderson match, yes, we're like this fucking moron. So this is trials, right? This is trials. Yes, they're like this fucking guy. Let him go on the carpet. Blah blah blah. It's like, well, yeah, because they're allowed to. That's like, that's, that's the rule ABCC. set. Like guys, yeah. you got to understand. Like when a, if a referee does stop the action in a situation where like there's not like uh, if basically if if they stop the action anywhere where there's still attacks and jujitsu happening, like. A positional exchange, a submission, that referee fucked up. Fucked up. That referee should not have done that. Yeah. The referee is not supposed to stop the action unless there's nothing, like basically like they're in a secure, stable position that's not going to move. Like, or like they're so, there's the obstacles that are in their way are just so obtrusive that there's no way that they would be able to continue. Um, like you saw the one match, uh, I think it was the two females, I believe it was Gabby Garcia and what's the other girl's name? Do you remember? She won, uh, I so say I feel Amy. like a piece of shit for not Amy, knowing her name. I can't remember. Um, but so, so she beats Gabby. Um, but they went; they were literally against the ramp. Yeah. Of the fucking walkout. Yeah. And uh, they're still, you know, they're still continuing to train. And like, you know, Gabby tried to, you know, criticize or whatever. She says that the ref said stop or whatever. But if the ref says stop, he's gonna come stop you. Like, and he's gonna restart you in the position yeah. that you were started or whatever. Yeah. The ref, there's no way that the ref said stop. Well, I mean, I feel for. Her. I'm sure she, you know she's unhappy with the result and these sorts of things. But ultimately, yeah, that's that's the deal, dude. You don't, you just, you just keep going. And basically, in ADCC, you just keep going until somebody tries to peel you off the other fucking person. Pretty much. You know, that's what I do. Like, there's no anything else is a mistake on your part as a competitor, in my opinion. Yeah, even with the uh, with with the taps and the submissions, because. You know, these guys fucking play games. Oh, of We're course. like, they'll do like that little squeeze and you're like, tap, tap, tap. And they're like, I never fucking tap. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, like I told these guys, I'm like, if you're going to tap, make it fucking clear because I'm going to let it go. Like we're going until it's a clear, clear yeah, tap. Hell yeah. But uh, Which is why they don't allow uh, scream taps in right. ACC also. Like you can't just be like, ah. No. Doesn't matter. And now you if keep you go, going unless you say the word tap. Tap. You got to say tap. It's, gotta be, it's very specific. We have safe words. Okay, yeah, you know, pumpernickel, pumpernickel. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, there's a reason for that fucking word, dude. So it, say the word. Don't fucking scream. Oh, wait, you know, scream, fine, but you're we're not stopping it. No, we're going. Um, and I, in in my opinion, I actually really like that rule because something happened to me once when I was competing. Uh, I was competing against Mateus Dins, mm-hmm. and uh, it was an absolute division. I took uh, I took first in my division at, at Nogi Pans that year in black belt. And then I took second in the absolute to Mateus Dins. And the way that he won was we were in half guard and he like laid all of his weight into one of my wrists, like all of a sudden, like he basically like, he just like, he just like kind of like leaned back and then threw his weight into one of my wrists when we were in half guard. And like, man, imagine somebody just like takes, takes like their boot and slams it down on one of your toes. Right. (laughs) 
you're probably going to make a fucking noise. Yeah. Like it's pretty hard just to not make a noise in that situation just because it's like, it's so surprising that that happened. You weren't ready for it. Ah, you know what I mean? It's the kind of thing that fucking happens, right? So he slams all those weight down into my wrist and like, of course, I'm like, ah, you know what I mean? But that's it. I be JJF. It's over. Now, this is no criticism. Like those are the rules and, you know, technically I lose the match. As soon as he, as soon as he hears that, he gets up and starts celebrating because he knows the rules and shit, you know, and they're not going to, you know, there's no ambiguity. Uh, that, that's, that's that. And those are the rules in IBJF. But that's exactly the kind of thing that can happen sometimes, I think. And I don't think that that at a, at a professional level, when we're both black belts and we're both, you know, we're competing for fucking the world championships, especially ADCC, there's money involved now. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Like there should be for IBJJF always too, but there wasn't back then. I think they're, I still think today they still do a black belt, but there's, there's still some amateur competition, which yeah. is kind of crazy, but I think they have some offerings of money sometimes. But anyway, yeah, especially when money's on the line and it's like world championship and shit, like, dude, really? Like you're going to let somebody like make a little noise and that's going to be the end. Like you would never do that in a UFC fight either. You know what I mean? So no. it's like, no man, it's gotta be a very clear fucking tap yeah. or, you know what I mean? I could see ending things because of a limb dislocation or something like that. Like they do in the UFC for fighter safety. That makes sense. I can, I get that, you know what I mean? But just because somebody makes a noise seems kind of silly. So I like that rule for ADCC personally. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that I try to do as a ref, because you know, we're human and as soon as I would see a submission go in right away, I stopped looking at the submission. Yeah. I was no longer looking at the arm bar or the heel hook. Yeah, You're because... just waiting to see whether or not the person's fucking tapping. Yeah. So yeah, right away. There's, there's actually a pretty cool picture. I, I can't remember who's in the picture, but the arms fucking, yeah. it's bad. It's completely, yeah. it's, it's an a, it's an a at that point. Yeah. And I'm not looking at the arm Yeah. at all. And I told this, that's not your I'm fucking like, job. I'm like, I don't give two shits about that arm. Yeah. I know a submissions in, now I'm looking at your hands and yeah. your face. Yeah. Are you tapping verbally or with your hands? Yeah. Because if you start looking at a submission, it's also like kind of human nature. Yeah, it's gross. Where you get grossed out and you're like, oh, tap, 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 tap. Yes, and you're like, yes. oh, shit, this sorry. Happen- this happens a lot. It happens where yeah. the ref reacts for themselves mm-hmm. and stops and is like, oh, it was going to break. Yeah. But it didn't. That's yeah. not your fucking job. It's smart for you to try to disassociate. That's probably the best thing that they should tell ref. I don't know if they coach you guys to do that, but that's probably what you should do because it's you know if you're emotionally involved in that moment it'd be very easy to do that yeah you gotta almost be like a sociopath yeah and just be like listen like i'm either gonna hear it snap or i'm gonna hear you tap or see you do it yeah which can get tricky because sometimes hands get caught up yeah yeah, of course you know and i try to do a good job of communicating with the competitors sure like if a choke was in i'd be like you know are you good like and like i'd be like make some sort of noise and like a couple guys were like I'm like, all right, we're good. We're good. We're good. He's alive. He's not dead. You know, give me something. Yeah, yeah. But as far as uh, matches that really intrigued me um, afterwards, I mean, in part because I was associated with it and it was such a close match and I've probably watched it like three times since then, uh-huh. is the uh, the Wagner and Isaac Michelle match. Interesting. Um, just because it was so close and I want to see it from my perspective as a, like a ref, like what could I have done differently or yeah. what did I call it the right way? Yeah. Which I still stick with the way I called it. Yeah. Uh, enlighten me on that one. Cause I actually missed that one. Super close match went into overtime. Yeah. And Wagner got the win. Yeah. But it was close and there were, you know, Isaac had some dominant positions at and a to certain help, point. And to help people understand you as w- what was your role in that match? 
I was the ref. You played the the one that stands in the center. I was on the there's mat. different there's different roles that the, these guys play. You got you know judges at the table per yes. se, and then you've got like that center referee, and they all have different jobs. Um, yeah. So to clarify, when you are that center ref, um, do you can do you also contribute to the final decision of the uh, match? Yes. Okay. Uh, but it goes to the judges first. Mm-hmm. So the judges will give their input. And, and how then, many of them are there or is it, it very dependent upon the match? It varies, but for the most part, there's two. Okay. So there's two actual judges and there might be another ref at the table yeah. who like they'll ask like, hey, what did you see? Just in case. Yeah. But for the most part, it's just the two guys that actually run it. Sure. And then at so the end, it's supposed like, to be a three man decision. Yeah. And then at the end, like, what did this you way see? You, you know, this way you always have, you know, one person to override or whatever the case may right. be. So majority wins. Right. And there's like, you know, there's like a main judge and there's like the secondary judge. And then everyone's watching just in case, you know, some, uh, you know, Fugazi shit starts going down, <laughs> which yeah. is always going to be the fucking yeah, case. Yeah. Uh, so for that one, you know, I, you know, they gave their opinions and then they're like, well, what did you see? And I gave my opinion. I was like, this is how I saw it. Yeah. yeah. Because for ADCC, it's like it's very and how easy. Did you, and how did you see it? The way I saw that match was uh, who was pushing forward, yeah. and it's very different watching it on like TV and then like being in the middle because oh, you're yeah. watching for so many other things. Hundred percent. But it's like who was pushing forward the most, and you know Isaac had some dominant positions, but Wagner never stepped off the gas. Yeah, yeah. He was constantly, even when he was like, you know, clubbing. Yeah. He was clubbing and coming forward, clubbing and coming forward. And then once it got into overtime, he just fucking stepped right on it and never stopped back. He never stopped coming forward. That's all it took. So in the the context of the entirety of the match, you're just like, this guy was way more offensive. He was initiating. He was going for it. And it was fucking razor close. Razor close. Yeah. Uh, And then, of course, obviously the one. No points scored at all, right? No points scored at all, which makes it even tougher. So it goes right to the super decision. But yeah, and that's another, that brings another aspect of ADCC that a lot of people don't understand is the, uh, is, I hate the word aggression because it just seems so, uh, it it seems so like non-technical, like the way that to describe aggression, right? Like you can smack your face and be aggressive. Exactly, exactly. You kind of like, when you perceive somebody saying like, oh, this person was more aggressive, exactly like, were they angrier? Like (laughs) so many interpretations of the word aggression. Um, I think I like the word initiate best. I agree with that. Because I think that that's uh, a little bit clearer and a little less like, um, it invokes a little less of that like, kind of like emotional sort of response that aggression uh, does. So anyway, like that's something that a lot of people don't understand about ADCC rules is the level initiation plays in judges decisions. It's the, it's one of the biggest. So so like you could get into scrambles and the guy that you're getting into the scramble with might get into some dominant positions or even potentially submission attempts. But if you were the one that was initiating most of the action. So the reason he gets to come, come close to taking your back or the reason he gets to come close to finishing you in a guillotine is because you were viciously trying to fucking double leg him, mat return him, whatever right. the case may be. Ultimately, when the referees and the judges are looking at that, that plays a bigger role than people would think. Yes, if if you like went for a double leg and then I put you in fucking five different submissions, like, yeah, maybe you're going to give me more... Uh, more of the deciding the decision than the other guy. But in general, if I'm the one shooting for the double leg and you get a guillotine attempt, the guy that shot for the double leg is the one that is being favored in the judge's decision for the most part. Unless the guillotine attempt was like just so fucking close that like 
it's like, oh, damn, that almost finished the match. Like, the guy yeah. almost fucking died out there. Okay, sure. But for the most part, if you just kind of got, like, a little half sloppy or, like, even just, like, okay, guillotine, I defend, and then we go back, the initiator is the one who's being favored by the judges at that point. And you yeah. do that five times, ten times, or even, like, you know, maybe three of my attempt, my initiations, you met with counterattacks, but I had five initiations. Yeah. Right. And then the the two you just defended. It's like, well, now definitely you're I'm pushing. Ahead in the you're the one pushing the pace. Even though the other guy might have had some positions that looked a lot more dominant or some submissions that I didn't have or whatever the case may be. And I actually really, at first, didn't really like this as an ADCC rule because. I'm thinking to myself, it's like, oh yeah, but like the person that has the more submission attempts or whatever the case may be, I'm, I typically favor submissions just as a grappler. I really mm-hmm. like that idea, but I really think that's the most conducive to having matches that are exciting. I, I 100% to, agree. To saying like, hey, listen, above all else, initiate. Yeah. Because then people have to go. Then you have to try to pass the guard. You have to try to submit. You have to try to do things. And that's the biggest problem with jujitsu becoming a mainstream sport is it of having boring fucking matches that people don't want to watch. I think you're going to see that uh, as the sport evolves and changes, everyone's got to adapt. Yeah. And I could even see it, you know, just between the refs, you know, because some of these refs have been doing ADCC for 20 years. You could see there was a change. Like, even they realized, like, this is a different atmosphere. Because now if you do a reset, you might have 13,000 people fucking boo you. Oh, yeah. That's new. Oh, yeah. That's new. Oh, yeah. So my goal was don't it's get fucking It's funny that you booed. mentioned that. I didn't even, like, really think about that from that perspective. But, yeah. Hell, yeah. Like, think about, like, some of these mainstream sports, like soccer or something like that. Like, referees, in, in many people in the United States aren't aware of this, but... Uh, referees in, in soccer or football, obviously, the way that most football. other country, most other countries would yeah. call it, um, like it's not that uncommon for like a referee to get like assaulted, yeah, or like killed, his, ha- or get killed, yeah, like something very serious, like that. That's a real thing that fucking happens yes. in fucking soccer and foot like football. Uh, so yeah, man, like it's a fucking big deal. It's like, a huge deal, like and- to be a referee and and shit like that. Like I mean we. I think sometimes people take that a little bit more lightly than they realize. People just like don't look at referees as like real people sometimes. Right. You just look at it like this image of like who's enforcing the rules. But like, yeah, dude, like your shit is on the line. Yeah, you're you out know? there. You're fully yeah. exposed. I, I definitely felt that. I think for me, because this was my first Worlds, uh, ignorance was bliss. <laughs> where I just say and like and like not for nothing like being American mm-hmm. too it's like sure. I'm so used with the culture here and how they treat refs where I was like alright my job is to stay the <laughs> fuck out of this yeah, yeah. unless I need to get in there sure. do your job don't do any extra yeah but uh, you know I think perfect example is with ADCC when it was just the competitors and just the you know the coaches you could make a couple calls and get away with it and people yeah, wouldn't yeah. find out till later because not for nothing even something like flow is fairly new sure. so you would find out about something that happened in ADCC yeah, yeah. a week later yeah you know, so what like, could you even do yeah anyway? like what, like what yeah was really and then you're like be well, the repercussions yeah it's like well what what really happened how did that happen I don't understand yeah now people can see it. Yeah. And everyone's talking and about. We got, we got literally like we have replays and shit. Oh, like, dude. That never used to be a thing that you'd be able to do is like watch a replay on a big screen. For oh, they, fucking they did that for ADCC. This is the first time. That ever, was wild. This is the first time ever that that's ever occurred. Yeah. Where you could on a big screen, the audience is able to watch exactly what the fuck just happened. Yeah. Replay it and then and then have an actual opinion like, oh, no, that was this fucking start position. dude. Yeah. Like we know what the we fucking start right position there. was. Because, you know, it's funny like athletes have been getting away with with dumb shit like that in IBJJF for fucking years yeah. because 
you know, you got a million matches going on at once, first of all. Nobody's fucking replaying anything. Maybe somebody's taping it. But again, like you said, like you're not going to get to see it yeah. anywhere until later. So, you know, if a referee wants to fuck somebody or they if can. a competitor wants to say, oh no, I wasn't in that position and just keep arguing. I saw mm-hmm. this happen with Kyotera one year with uh, Bruno Malfacine, I think. Um, Kyotera sets up this beautiful fucking half guard, uh, deep half guard entry with like collar grips and all these sorts of things. And uh, they like get like out of bounds. And, but he's literally got a collar fed like underneath both legs. Like, dude, for anybody that trains in the gi, if you guys saw this, it is a Garen fucking teed sweeping or back take position. He's going to take his back or he's going to sweep him. He's going to score off of this. 1,000%. Bruno Malvacine just fucking keeps arguing and saying that he wasn't in the position. So what does IBGGF do? Oh, you want to keep arguing? We're just going to start you on the feet. Dude, that's And it's just like, it's total bullshit. But that's a perfect example of like, you would never, that would never be able to have flown in in ADCC this year because everybody would know it. Like, not only would everybody know that the, that the referees fucked up in that regard, but everybody would look at Bruno and be like, and be like, oh yeah, like you're a fucking asshole. Like yeah. you, sh- you were not starting in the start position that you were supposed to. You cheated. Yeah. You know what I mean? But like me bringing this up in this podcast is probably the first time like many people are even hearing about what I'm discussing. Right. And, and everybody, and nobody gives a shit. Like nobody's called them out on that. Like. You know what I mean? Like bring that mic a little closer. Yes. I don't know. I don't know how like, Roy does it, but but he, I can't tighten it up. But he died. You know what I mean? Like that died like the moment after it happened. Like nobody yeah. nobody cared. But like if that had happened in ADCC, we'd all like be, be raving over. about it and everything like that. Uh, one of the one of the wildest things I'm going to bring up too, because I know you're probably alluding to one of them that's all over the interwebs. We got to uh, talk about it. We have to. Uh, Wagner, okay. you know, was just leg pummeling. And yeah. I forget, who was he going up against? I want to say he was going against Barboza. Yeah. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden Barboza falls back and he grabs his face. And I was like, well, you know, sometimes when you pummel your legs, that happens. Then they put that shit on the fucking big screen. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah. No, he fucking kicked him. Yeah. Huh? Let me I didn't you. see it, by the way. But... He Listen, and I, and I said this right before that match yeah. started. I was like, Wagner is a savvy vet. And he knows how to ride that line. Sure. Where it's like, I know what you did. You know what you did. Yeah. But we also know that it looks like you were doing something else. Yes. So, but now here's a new element. You can fucking see it's it. It's right here. Yeah, and you can yeah. see it. And when they slow it down, yeah. you're like, oh, that was. So, so Wagner, it's funny that you mentioned this. He's the, one of the dirtiest fighters of all time. Um, both in, in jiu-jitsu at the very least. Dude, I don't know I, about what dude. his MMA career was like, but I doubt it's any cleaner. Reffing him was um, wild. So, so I, uh. You know, I, I'm in ADCC trials. This is the one that I won uh, to get into ADCC for the first time in Beijing. So I'm in ADCC trials. Uh, I get to my finals match. I'm competing against Wagner. And uh, I know that he likes to go for Kimuras. And I have a great Kimura counter to the back. So I offer him the Kimura, like in the first like 30 seconds of the match. And I take his back immediately. Figure four. It's fucking over, right? Like you're like, you're like, oh man, Gary takes his back like in the first fucking beginning of the match. Like he's going to submit him. Like, this is this is a wrap, right? So I have the control and I'm trying to submit him. As I'm trying to submit him, he's grabbing the entire time. He's grabbing individual fucking fingers and trying to peel them off. For anybody who's listening to this that doesn't know, not acceptable not in acceptable. both mixed martial arts or no. 
and it, sorry, or jujitsu or really yeah. any combat sport right. that exists, you don't get to grab individual digits. Right. ABCC it's, actually has a specific rule where yes. if you're going to grab fingers, it has to be at least four. Oh, well, that's the same thing in IBJJF, right? Like, okay. but, but yeah, you are supposed to grab at least four fingers. Now I could see give, like if I was a referee and somebody grabbed three fingers, I'm probably also going to let that slide, but one or two fingers. Now we're literally like, you're like, we're at the point where, Oh, we're just going to grab fingers and try to break them. Like, there's a reason that that rule exists. And it's because like, it's like, it's fucking stupid. Like we're all going to like walk away with mangled fucking hands. Yes. If that's the way that this is going to happen. Like every jujitsu position where you hold, where you're able to hold somebody down, we're just going to start breaking people's fingers. It's just fucking insanity. You know what I mean? It's going to degenerate into chaos. So anyway, I'm trying to strangle him and he's grabbing individual fingers, thumb, pointer finger, middle finger, whatever, trying to rip. And, you know, when you do that, if you've ever, if, if you're listening to this and you don't, you know, train and you ever have somebody do that, or if you're listening to this and you do train and you never had a prick, grab your fucking fingers and try to fucking strangle you. It's, it's very difficult to get things off because you can't like make the grips properly. No. Like they're peeling these fingers. It's so fucking annoying. Yeah. Um, and it's a really easy way to stall the strangle. So he's doing this the whole time. They didn't warn him about it until like the moment, uh, until like the moment I was about to set a strangle. Like I finally got enough of a bite on a strangle where I knew I was going to put him out. That was the moment they decided to warn him about fucking peeling fingers. So they stopped the match and restart it. And when they stopped the match and restart it, we naturally don't, re-engage whatever position we were in as well as we had it so he manages to slide his way out the moment they restart the match we end up in 50 50 now at this point i'm thinking to myself i'm like well i racked up enough points i think i like had was like six zero or something from taking his back um all right so what he slid out of back control whatever like the, the match is over basically we got like 30 seconds left at the time i did i trained like no leg locks like i knew like fucking nothing we're in 50 50 he fucking separates the legs, goes after the leg, fucking rips an inverted heel hook and fucking, you know, uh, tears up my ankle. Um, but there's 30 seconds left and I'm getting into fucking ADCC. Yeah. So I let that fucking shit fucking rip, whatever. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? And I'm fine. It wasn't that bad. It wasn't yeah. like a knee. It wasn't a terrible tear. It was like a slight thing, you know, whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, it's just, it's just one of those things, like you said, like that somebody would have been able to see on like a fucking big screen happening. And been like, whoa, what the fuck? What's going on yeah. here? Like it would, it was very obvious what was going on, you yeah. know? So there's no way that would have flown in, in the event, the way that it was, it was done, <clears throat> you know, this year. Um, so, I mean, in some ways that's, that's going to be great, you know, moving it, forward, it's more great. accountability on everybody's part. But the point you made about being a referee and stuff like that, you know, you really got to be more on your game when you're in an environment like that. Well, because if you make a mistake, it's going to live right there in the moment and it's going to live afterwards, which yeah, is right now for a long time. One of the things that everyone's talking about is Craig Jones, Canon Duarte. Yeah. So, so yeah, like for, for those of you that have watched or maybe haven't watched or whatever, basically, you know, Canon Duarte is in the match, uh, passes, uh, Craig's guard, um, mounts him. This is before points, I think. Um, but he passes the guard, mounts him, and uh, Craig is like looking for like this like kind of as you know this Ezekiel from bottom mount, which mm -hmm. you know it can work. It's not impossible, but you know Kane ends like pretty easily thwarting it over and over and over again. So it's pretty clear like he's not going to get it because you know you try that shit once or twice and 
somebody defends it, it's like it's not like they're gonna forget how to defend it. Like right. <laughs> it's like pretty pretty clear that Kane kinda knows how to fucking deal with it. Yeah, it's definitely one of those moves where once you go for it and it gets like it gets defended, going for it a second time is gonna be even harder. Seems kinda silly. But yeah. like whatever. All right. He's trying to like maybe maybe Craig's like thinking I'm racking up aggression or something like while I'm a bottom mount, whatever. Um so then points get called. And, uh, you know, maybe Kynan like had his ankle trapped briefly and then the ankle doesn't come untrapped. So he gets his mount points or whatever. So he's, he's ahead by quite a, some margin. I think he, I think Craig even regarded and he passed again. So he's up like seven, nothing at this I, point. I, I, it might've been like eight. Yeah. Oh, you're right. It is. It's, he's up. No, I think it's seven because I, because I think they give him eight negatives and that's what makes I it. I think, I think you're right. So, I think you're hundred percent right. So he's up by seven. Uh, so seven, zero. Remember, Craig hasn't hit a single offensive move except for the Ezekiel attempts. Right. And it's a it's a Hail Mary. Like we were talking about Hail Marys, Hail Marys before. It can work, but like it, we're not talking about like these submission attempts where like Craig has been like regarding hits like an inverted heel hook. Kynan defends. Then he goes after another. Like, no, that's not what was happening. We're mm-hmm. talking about like he's like trying something because he's fucking mounted and like doesn't have anything else to do. Yeah, he's and, and probably tired too. Yeah, and kind of. There's actually a clip of him saying like he goes, "I couldn't get a move off him. He's so strong." Yeah, and like you know, his corner was like, "Dude, like you were winning because of negatives." It's crazy. Like, what? Kynan even goes so far as to like, he's not only mounting Craig, but he gets both of his arms over his head, like. You know, the about as much dominance from the mounted position as you could get. Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he could have worked to try to transition to the back or something, you know, with some sequence or whatever. But, like, ultimately, like, why should he have to? Like, it's like he's already in the most dominant position he could be in. So, um, yeah, they start giving fucking Kainan negatives, like, while he's mounting and just smothering the shit out of Craig. Yeah. And again, Craig hasn't hit a single offensive movement. Negative, 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 negative. And they're coming in fucking fast. Fast. And it's like, I don't even really know what they really wanted. Kind Was Kynan just supposed to like jump on an arm bar that wasn't there? You know what I mean? Like, I don't, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask it to you as an actual question. This is like kind of rhetorical now, but you know, I'm just sitting here in my head, just talking from my perspective. And then of course I want to hear yours. I'm just wondering what exactly it is that they would want him to do. I, I get it. Like they want action. Like they want to see more or whatever the case may be. But like the best the guy's going to be able to do is start walking arms up and try to get into a position where maybe he could go for a juji or maybe he could expose the back. And it's like, it's not going to be easy on like a tough guy. It's not like that's like, you know, a guarantee to happen. Um, and I don't feel as though, like if we're going to start giving passivity points, like so so cre- so him maintaining mount and walking arms over the head isn't equivalent to Craig's like Ezekiel attempts. Like those Ezekiel attempts are valued so much that that only Kynan gets a negative in that situation. Like that's what's so odd to me about that whole situation. And like you mentioned, sorry, just to just to again no, for everybody, please. they give enough negatives. Now it's one thing, okay, they gave enough if they had given it seven negatives, right? They make the score zero to zero. And they basically say, hey, because of your level of inactivity, Kynan, we are going to put you in a, in a position where now it's 0-0 zero, zero, and you're going to have to go into overtime and keep fighting if yeah. you don't get something else out of this match, right? That's basically what you'd be saying if you gave him seven negatives. Yeah. No. They take it a step further than that. They say, not only are you going to make this so that you have to go to overtime, 
even though Craig hasn't hit a single offensive movement, we're going to give you eight negatives. And we're going to create a situation where if you don't hit another offensive move, like if you don't score points or submit this guy, you're going to lose the match completely. Yeah. Even though that your opponent has never hit a move on you, you you're going to lose the match completely. That was what was the wildest thing yeah. for me. Now, of course, literally like right after that, Kainan fucking gets another guard pass at yeah. will and fucking scores It's almost like points. he purposely went into the guard just so he could pass it to get some yeah, points. Yeah, yeah, so he could get the points and, and win the fucking match that he deserved to win. Yeah. I thought that was a little fucked up. It's one thing to like create, I mean, still kind of crazy to create the, the situation for them to have to go into overtime, but it's a whole other thing to literally take the match away from the kid for what was happening there. That was great because again, it's not like, you know, it'd be one thing if like, if he had scored his points and then Kynan was like staying away from Craig's guard so Craig couldn't do anything. It's like, no, he's holding the most dominant position in the sport. Right. So anyway, I'd love to hear from your perspective what you think. I know you weren't the one that did that. So from my perspective, uh, again, rookie ref. Yeah. One of like the first refs to ever, you know, ref ADCC worlds with less than a year experience. I did sure. both trials and then I, I got, I got the call up. Yeah. So I'm trying to learn as much as I can. Sure. But I'm also really studying the rules to know what the fuck I'm doing out there. Cause I don't want to embarrass myself. Well, there was a match going on on my mat, I believe. And by the time I turned my head and looked over, uh, Kynine had four negatives. He was up seven zero. And I looked at the one ref who was next to me and I was like, how do you get four negatives? And the ref looked at me and was like, I don't know. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And this is like a seasoned ref. Yeah, yeah. So now here comes another one and another one and another one. And I just look at him and he's just shaking his head. He's like, I don't know what the fuck this is. Yeah, I have no idea. Because now I don't know if there's something I may have missed. If there was some sort of warning that was given, like, hey, if you do that again, they're coming every 30 seconds. I think what we missed is either Kynan slept with the wrong person's wife <laughs> or Craig Craig gave the right guy a blowjob or some combination of the two. Yeah, it, it was I'm not uh, sure. <laughs> it was one of those things where as I'm sitting there, I'm hoping someone could like shed some light on like my fresh rookie right. mind. Right. You you you're looking at it like I'm looking at it from the perspective as a competitor thinking like, "Oh, wow, this is crazy." You're right. looking at it like, "Hey man, I want to understand what's happening so that like like sh- should this be how I'm should be officiating right. or or is this person making a mistake like I, w- I want to understand right and then it's yeah. just like no it's like this is this is a shit situation so I mean I don't know I know uh, Mo has talked about it on his live feeds a couple times and okay. he's gonna look at the match he hasn't looked at the match yet uh, but apparently he's hearing about it a lot wow uh, I'm just I'm very surprised grateful. he hasn't seen it yet I mean, the guy probably just went to sleep like yeah, yesterday. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know I mean? But I'm just just with the level of controversy. But yeah, you're right. I mean, he's fucking crazy. Well, crazy. here's the thing. I think because Kynan won, it's yeah. almost like I'll look at it when I look at it. Sure. sure had sure, he sure, have sure, lost, sure. I think that match is getting looked at that day. Oh, dude. That, that would have been. Had he had he lost, that would have been like one of the most insane things that's ever happened. And in front of 13,000 people on float. This is what I'm yeah. talking about. This is going to change certain things where people can't get away with shit. Yeah. Dude, I, I saw a ref make a bad call and then people started booing and he didn't know what the fuck to do. And he ended up resetting the match yeah, with, like, yeah. with like the person with like a guillotine in. Yeah. Because he stopped, he stopped he, the fight. He, he folded to the pressure. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, like I said, ignorance is bliss. I don't know any different. Yeah. I just looked at the things going on in front of me. Sure. Um, 
you know, great experience. If I get to do it again, fantastic. If I don't, you know, it happened. It was cool. Got yeah. to see my boys go out there and fight. There was another one that uh, I don't know if you saw or not um, that a lot of people were commenting on. Uh, Ty and Marigali. Did you yeah. see that one? I, I did. Okay. I what did. were your thoughts on that match? Because I, I think that, that, so they gave the decision to Marigali. Marigali. Okay. And uh, people, you know, some people were in disagreement or just thought that it was a little controversial. What, what did you think? I thought it was close. I mean, I would have yeah. to go back and watch it again because sure. for some of that match, I was taking a piss in the back. Um, yeah. I don't know if you know this, like it was sponsored by Jocko. So uh-huh. I, like, I wasn't trying to eat shit all day. So I was yeah. just drinking Jocko fuels all yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, I had one of those at like the end of the tournament. Oh, dude, I was pissing like a racehorse. Yeah, it lit me um, right up. You know, but from what I saw, I saw Ty engaging. But again, it's it's that whole thing of it's about engagement. So if you shoot for a single and yeah. then, you know, now you're caught in a Kimura, well, technically, who shot for the single? Yes. You always go back to the initiation. That's yes. when you see the scrambles. It's like, yeah. all right, take down, but then you roll me to my back, yeah. but then I'm able to tie your legs up and roll back over and put you on your butt. Well, now there's no sweep points, no reversal points. It goes back to the initiation yes. of the takedown. Yeah, it's really tough, I think that rule for the spectator that you know the the layman spectator especially like somebody who doesn't compete and doesn't really understand the rules because when you're when you're watching as a spectator what you see is just like okay such and such person hit a move you know what i mean like yeah you you're not contextualizing it you're not like oh well that person hit that move because that guy went for his move or whatever the case may be. So you just see the match and you're just like, oh man, it looks like that guy beat that guy. Yeah. Right. Um, You'll see it with points too. Yeah. Like, you know, someone goes for a takedown, there's a bunch of scrambles, now there's a Kimura locked in. Yeah. And then they're fighting the Kimura, then the Kimura gets let go and it's like, well, how the fuck did he get two points? It's like, well, because he initiated that takedown 85 seconds ago. Well, you know, thinking about that, like imagine if we didn't have points, right, for ADCC. Um, But, so the points, so the points existed. So imagine the points exist but the points only exist for the referees and the judges, right? So you guys are keeping track, but nobody knows what the score is. Oh, God. Okay? So you guys are keeping track of points. Nobody knows what the score is. There would be a ton of matches, right, that people would look at and they'd be like, man, I don't think that guy won. I think the other guy won. Yeah. And they would have no idea. Like, so like, again, a layman person who doesn't understand. So taking taking scoring out of it, because when you think about it, it's almost like in the initiation stuff is almost like advantages in IBJJF. Yeah. They're just not getting recorded openly so everybody can see them. They're being recorded in the back of a judge's mind. Right. Right. So it's the same sort of thing, man. Like people just don't know when those advantages are being recorded. So like in their opinion, it's just like they're just looking at it, right? And judging it, right? So I kind of get it. You know what I mean? Um, I would have to rewatch that match to say for certain. I remember watching most of it. I think I saw like half of it um, and feeling like, you know, Mary Marigali was doing enough uh, to win that match. Obviously, you know, Ty's a super high pace kind of kind of dude. But again, like it comes down to it's not just about because we talked about initiation, too. And, and this is, again, why I don't like the word aggression. Ty is very aggressive. Very. However aggression doesn't necessarily always translate to initiation or actual movements, right? Like I can just like smack your head around and like we could interpret that as aggression, but that's not really necessarily initiation. Right. Right. Um, you, you know, if I, if I collar tie you and then feed in and snap your head down and get your hands on the mat, well, now there's an actual attempted movement there. 
Right. Right. Like, oh, sorry. Oh, <laughs> my bad. Amateur. Uh, now there's an actual attempted movement there, you know, like something that could actually lead to a score. Right. Does that make sense? It, so it I does. think sometimes, uh, because of the nature of the fact that Ty and Cade, both of them, they move so much, right? They're always doing something. Sometimes I think that can just be interpreted as like they're attacking they're or attacking. they're doing something, but it's just movement for the sake of movement. Right. And it's not criticism on their part in the set, in the sense that I think like, obviously I fucking lost the tie. They fucking dude's a killer. Um, you know, I, I'd love to fucking have that match again. And I'd love to have a match with his brother. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that in the future. And I think they're both signed to one. So I'm sure, I'm sure I'll get that opportunity. Hey, fucking go. You heard it on tapping in Gary. Yeah, baby. And Let's so go. I'm sure I'll have that opportunity again. Um, uh, but I'm just saying, I think that might play a role in what people are perceiving when they watch that match. Yeah. And the, and the Rotolos, like you said, they're very active. They're constantly moving. And from what I remember from that match, you know, tie, you know, a lot of, you know, reaching for the head and then changing levels and then coming back up. And it's like, oh, yeah. there's a lot of movement. And, you know, it's very also very, you know, towards the end of that, you know, Ty was moving around. Uh, you know, Marigali was getting a little tired. But if you watch that, Marigali was not really backing up. And again, no. I got to rewatch it. It's one of the things that he does. Got to really rewatch well, it, by the way. Well, Marigali. it's an understanding of the rules. He wasn't backing yeah. up. And even if you didn't like his wrestling shots or his attempts, he was changing levels and trying to grab a leg. Yes. And would sometimes even get in on it. Well, Correct. that's engaging that's right there. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's the actual attack. It's not just movement. There's actually something happening that could yes. lead to a score, potentially. Yes. And I think that's probably what happened in that match that people are, 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 are perceiving the way that I would suggest would be incorrectly based off of the rules and these sorts of things in their assessment that they they feel as though Ty won. Well, you see that with like MMA too, where they're like, oh my God, how do you lose? Look at this guy's face. He's all busted up. It's like, yeah, you can't look at that. Sure. It's like he might've gotten hit two or three times in one bad spot and now he's a bloody mess, but mm. how much more damage did he engage? Yeah. How much did he control the center of, the, so, of the ring? Yeah, MMA judging is so tricky sometimes. Uh, I, you know, A lot of people know I work with Ryan Benoit, um, who's uh, who was fighting in the UFC for a while and... Uh, a super talented guy hits really fucking hard for a 125er. Um, he's had a couple fights at 35 too, I think. Um, but uh, yeah, he had a fight like that where, like, man, you know, obviously I'm a little biased, you know, I'm coming from mm -hmm. his corner and shit, and I'm watching. And uh, <clears throat> dude, he when he hit this fucking guy, every time he hit him, the dude was stumbling. Like every hit was doing fucking damage. Yeah, you know what I mean. But meanwhile, the other dude. Uh, that he was fighting, hit him a few times here and there, you know, was just touching him up. Like just, just, just scoring essentially is the way I would look at it. You know, um, he'd make contact, but it wasn't meaningful contact. Like, I don't right. think anything he ever landed, like really seemed like it damaged Ryan at all. Right. You know, so me watching it, I'm just like, dude, how the fuck did they give the fight to the other guy? You know what I mean? And, you know, Ryan even had like a nice knee bar attempt and stuff like that too. I'm like, oh man, how'd they give the, the fight to the other guy? But it's kind of what you're saying. Like the other guy scored a lot more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, it's just the way that it works with judging, man. It's it's tough, man, to, it's tough to be, to, to not have some sort of favoritism towards something about the scoring. It's like, you know, are we going to favor the amount of damage it's done? Are we going to favor the amount of contact that the person made? You right. Know, There's the no like universal. Landed. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It, it becomes very, uh, it's very perceptive based. And what do you, 
put emphasis on and what do you put importance on? Sure. You know, some people are like, all right, who came closest to finishing the fight? And then some people are like, well, yes. what are the copy box numbers? This yes. guy landed a hundred punches. Like, exactly. yeah, but they were all shitty. Exactly. You know, it's, it's like, that's kind of how I felt about the fight. It's like, if, if this fight keeps going on, like assuming we, assuming we continue this fight, you know, in perpetuity, um, Ryan is still alive. Right. By the end of it, the other guy's dead. You know right. what I'm saying? Like right. I, <laughs> in no world does the other guy mount an attack that finishes Ryan. I don't see it. I don't see a world where it could possibly have happened. But, but that's not the way that this works. You know, we have works. rounds for a reason. Yeah. We have judges and these sorts of things. So it is what it is. You know that's what, what I mean? they say about Nate Diaz. They're like, if the UFC had no time limit, <laughs> Nate Diaz would be undefeated. But having said that, it's interesting you bring that point up. Uh, with Nate Diaz, I always counter that argument because I, first of all, love Nate Diaz. I just met him in person for the first time uh, this weekend, ironically, because I work with Jake all the time and you know, yeah. Jake's always with those guys, but for whatever reason, it just never worked out, you know, during fight camps, preps and all these sorts of things. Like I, I met, never, I met him too, Gary. <laughs> I never, <laughs> I never got an opportunity to meet him or his brother, like in person, you know, shake their hand, anything like that. So for the first time, it was actually at the after party for ADCC. I got an opportunity to shake his hand, talk to him for a little bit, which was kind of cool. I'm a huge fan of him, as, him yeah, and his brother same. Uh, as fighters. But my uh, but my counter to the argument that you're saying, yes, if there was no time limit in, in fighting, I do think there's an, a greater opportunity for them to succeed, like even more so than they already have. But I will say this, even with them, you know, they're still playing off of rounds. You yes. Know? Well, like, 100%. Like you have to think about it in these terms. Like sometimes, like when they end a round, like they're down on the ground like working their guard while, you know, somebody had put them down and is trying to punch them in the face, whatever the case may be. And the only reason they get back up is because the round has ended and now we're, you know, we're back to standing and now they can play the game, right? I'm not saying every single time, but I'm just saying that even under those circumstances, I think things would change a little bit about those guys. But yeah, I agree with you. Like they have this fucking never die fucking style, which is just incredible where they just put so much volume that like, it seems like, if you put somebody in front of them with no time limit, that they would always dismantle the other yeah, guy. Yeah, they'll find a way. Yeah. Um, you know who else I met this weekend? He now now follows me on the IG. Mm-hmm. Kenny Florian. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I met him a few times, but he seems like a super nice dude. Super nice dude. Yeah. Super nice. I've I was never a- had like super long conversations with him, but he, I think he uh, I think he's friends with Sean Williams, and he's been to Sean's school a couple times, so that's when I got to meet him and talk to him a little bit. Yeah, we, uh, it's funny, the way I met Kenny Florin, the UFC, like, posted some, like, status, like, a couple years ago, maybe, like, a year ago, and it was, like, you know, uh, best fighter to never win a belt, and everyone was tagging, like, Cowboy Cerrone, and I just commented, I was, like, fucking Kenny Florian, I was, like, Florian fought for the belt twice, he's a bad motherfucker, but he's a nice dude, and then he, like, commented back, and I was, like, oh, shit, and, like, we just kind of started messaging, you know, people, because, especially, like, Almost like you were talking about like girls in the beginning. It's the same thing with like other people. It's like, dude, like you do jujitsu, I do jujitsu. I'm a black belt, you're a black yeah. belt. Um, but anyway, fine, but I'm a super nice guy. But mm-hmm. yeah, man, the uh, this ADCC is. I really hope they let it continue the way it's been going, just because it's such on an upward trajectory. Hell yeah! I feel like to to really change that and put it somewhere obscure you're gonna fuck it up <laughs> you know what i mean yeah so we'll see what happens uh they should announce who gets the bid i think the bids are like japan brazil you know what i would love to see too sorry go ahead no 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 no. finish the sentence about the bids just, just, so just like there's hear. like four random bids right now and then uh, okay. mo's putting the bid in again to bring it back to vegas nice, nice. so we'll see i would I, you know japan's not bad though i mean i i hear you like it'll be a little smaller probably 
But like, first of all, like they, there's a bigger fan base there than I think people realize. And it's fucking nice, dude. Like at least yeah. like it's a place people would love to fucking travel and visit. You know what I mean? Obviously it's hard, you know, cause for most Americans and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, if it's going to be held in Asia, let's fucking do it there. Japan. You know what I mean? Japan's the place to be. Fucking A. Um, but what was I going to say? Uh, well, we were talking about the bids. Uh, oh, something I would love to see um, that they've done in one a little bit is I would love to see them uh, break out the uh, equipment or the, whatever it is that you need to do the VR experience mm. for grappling. Man, when I tell you, I don't know if you've ever, have you ever done the VR for like a concert or like a never. fight? Or I've never like even that? used an Oculus. Dude. Well, first of all, uh, porn is next level. I, that's okay. why I stay away from it. So, well, yeah, I'd never smart. leave. I'd never leave the room. Probably smart. Yeah, it's just a different experience. I mean, I don't still. Uh, I, I like for, for a consistent month after experiencing it for the first time, I was like, <laughs> can't go back. I was like, I don't. I don't know if like I. I think life is over now. <laughs> I don't think I ever. <laughs> I think this is what just what I do now with all, all of my free time. No, but like after that, it kind of got like a little because there's less videos available. You know what I mean? And it's just like it's it, it, it's a little bit of a process. I got to f- put fucking goggles on. You know what I mean? It's just too much. So it, at a certain point, you realize like you're its, prepping to jerk off. Yeah, exactly. It lost its like you know star power yeah. after a while, but. I, I do have to say anybody that hasn't tried it, I just think it's, you have to. Like, it's just like an experience where it's just different than anything. It's actually like made me think from the perspective of the porn star. Like, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, if I was, like, it's one thing to be videotaped having sex is another thing. This VR experience is so intimate and realistic. Like, this is like, it would, for me, like, I mean, obviously I'm already not doing porn, but like, it just would feel so uncomfortable for me to to know that people are having that level of intimate experience with these images of of me of you. like cuz dude like the eye contact the breathing the fuck like man like a, like a a man that's like not doesn't have his shit together like mentally you know like we're talking like incel you can go off, you can go fucking, off the deep end incel fucking weirdos like yeah Dude, that could be like that could be like something that leads a dude for sure to just like hunt a chick down. Like, I could definitely see that happening. Yeah, you can start developing a, this like fake relationship kind of weird, in your head, like like obsession or something, which already happens from like regular stuff. But like this is like next level. You ever seen that movie, The Girl? No. With Joaquin Phoenix? No. Where he basically like has like a Siri app, mm. and so he's like this like lonely guy with no friends. Yeah. And then like the Siri app becomes his friend, and then they fall in love and have a full blown relationship. Okay. Uh it's fantastic. Oh, it's kind of like her. Oh, that's the movie I'm talking about. Her. her. Oh yeah, I've seen so, her, dude. Yeah. All right. So spoiler alert: if you've never seen, I'm going to fuck that movie up. Sorry. My favorite part about that movie was the ending because okay. like I forget what how did it end the fucking the app dumps him so amazing <laughs> I'm like sitting there amazing. I'm like how I love horrible like that. is this guy we're not even a fucking app that you yeah, pay yeah. for stuck it out with you yeah, yeah the app was like I love you but I gotta see what else is out there I for me that. I was like I love fucking bad endings I do too I need it like I do I hate because dude good endings are so predictable yeah. because they're so common it's like of course we assume it's like the Conflict's going to resolve itself. Don't resolve the fucking conflict. Yeah, don't. Make it worse. Double down. Double first, down on that. First of all, that's more realistic anyway. That's usually how things work in life. Well, <laughs> my thing is like those happy endings don't make me feel good about myself. No. Best, I'm like, damn, it worked out for them? What yeah, the fuck? Yeah. I'm still waiting for my shit sure. to happen. I'm still waiting for my sure. dad to come back from buying cigarettes. 
But like this guy getting dumped by an app, I'm like, yeah. fuck yeah, my life is awesome. Fuck yeah. <laughs> best best ending of all time of a, of a movie I've ever watched, in my opinion, uh, is uh, The Mist. You ever oh, seen that movie? Oh my, yes. Dude, the ending to that movie is so... They took it in a direction. They took it so far in a direction they didn't need to go. At all. I I like I was like standing ovation afterwards in my oh own my in my own fucking house for nobody. I'm just like, yeah. Dude, that's when, the stuff. When that movie ended, I was like, <laughs> fuck it. I was like, do it anyway, bro. Just do it anyway at this point. Oh, What's so the fucking good. point? Dude, I love I didn't see that coming. No, I didn't see that coming. Not, a, not in a million years. That, and that's why it was so beautiful. Like towards the end, I was like, oh my God. Okay. Okay. I see what's happening. Yeah, but yeah. then when it ended, I was like, oh my God. I was like, what a fucking mind fuck. Yeah, dude. It was Fantastic incredible. ending. I don't even want to ruin that for people. I'm going to let them hear that. I'm going to let them experience Go it. Go watch The Mist. Dude, it is 430. And here's the thing about you. Uh-huh. You will fucking keep going yeah, and yeah. keep giving. I got to shut you down. No problem. Uh, we're two hours in. Guys, real quick, just so you know, you come into town. Before you even came into town, you hit me up. You're like, hey, man, uh, I would love to do your podcast. Oh, you want me to teach a class or teach a seminar? Yeah. yeah. You're like visiting your students, visiting your school, visiting family. <laughs> like I had to shut you down today at the seminar. I was like, guys, leave him the fuck alone. You give so much of yourself. You, like you're a fucking phenomenal human being. I, I hope people understand that about you. Um, Thank you, bro. But you know, you're love you, man. Dude, I wouldn't do I, it if I didn't love you. Listen, man, I fucking love you. And I want to say this real quick. You're someone that I consider a very close friend uh, when... The whole Covidius was happening and I started seeing a therapist. You're the first person I reached out to. Yeah. And we spent like an hour on the phone just like talking about it. And like, you know, yeah. you're someone that uh, it goes beyond jujitsu. Hell yeah. And I'm proud of you. You're fucking awesome. Proud of you too, buddy. Thanks, man. Thanks. Doing, you know, doing yeah, a couple things, you know. I'm killing it, dude. Yeah, we're killing it at half assing Talk about a being things. a giver, dude. Like, you fucking give a lot too, man. It's nuts, man. I know. I got to go home and hang out with my kids and my exactly. wife. It's fucking necessary. No problem, but, dude. Love you, dude. I'm sure I'll talk yeah. to you in 10 minutes. Everyone, Absolutely. Gary Tonin, the motherfucking man. Woo. Your mom's favorite grappler. Talk to you guys next week. Yeah, baby.